This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. Welcome to the Chelsea Football Fancast, the best podcast for Chelsea fans, by Chelsea fans, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, and sponsored by Exposed Designs. We have a very special show tonight. Most Chelsea fans would claim that for the past year and probably longer, the club and the fans have been on the end of a right kicking by the press. Is this negativity justified, or is it driven by an anti-Chelsea agenda? Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to ask the best football writers in the business. Sadly, they weren't available, so, uh, so we've got these four instead. I'm only joking, boys. The Chelsea Fancast is absolutely delighted to welcome the panel for tonight's show, who are... Martin Lipton, who has been a journalist since leaving university in 1988 and is now in his 11th year as chief football writer on the Daily Mail. After a career... Mirror! In, sorry, Mirror. <laughs> I've, got, I've got Ashton on the brain already, honestly. Anyway, after a, a career including four years at the Daily Mail... You were at the Daily Mail, to be fair, Martin. Anyway, and four years with the Press Association. He's covered, every, uh, he's covered England at every tournament since 1996 and as lead writer since 1998 at France. Uh, he's also seen Chelsea win the Cup Winners' Cup, three Premier Leagues, the Champions League and various assorted, assorted domestic cups. Uh, he's also covered every Chelsea managerial change since Viali replaced Hullet. And he remembers what football was like before Sky and the Premier League. Welcome, Martin. Delighted to be here. It's lovely to see you, fellow. We've had a lot of uh, fun on Twitter. It's nice to get you here in person. Now, our second, second panellist is well known to us all. He is, of course, Neil Ashton, and he is the football news correspondent at the Daily Mail and the presenter of uh, Sunday Supplement on uh, Sky Sports 1, uh, named Sports Reporter of the Year in 2011. He's also been in the Independence Hot 100 media list. I have this weird vision of you in lingerie in a catalogue somewhere with a comment like that, Neil. But no, really? don't, I don't, no, I don't think you'll ever see me in a catalogue. Was that a bit unfair? unfair, but there we go. Anyway, Ashton's previously worked at the News of the World, where he was the paper's chief football correspondent, before returning to the Mail in September 2011. Uh, he's also a regular contributor to Five Lives Football Pro programming and presented the morning show for Al Jazeera every day throughout Euth- uh, Euro 2012. Now, of course, it is a warm welcome back to Neil, who was our guest on the show last year and was very, very good about coming on. And he survived. Did he you? survive? And I'm back 
You looking forward to it? I'm, I'm definitely looking forward We've to it. We've got a bit of an audience tonight, Neil. We have, yeah. We had an audience last summer, didn't we? That's true. You, you bring them out, you see. That's why I got you on the show. I don't think I'm, that's the reason. I'm yeah. no fool. Anyway, <laughs> it's good to see Neil here. Now, I'm very happy to see this fine man. Uh, he's an old mate of mine. It is Rob Shepherd, who has uh, he's been a football writer for over 25 years, writing for papers such as Today, The Daily Express, The Sunday Times and The News of the World. He's a massive West Ham fan, although we won't hold that against him. He's a proper, proper character, and uh, he worked in the days when the relationship between the players and the press was a lot closer and better than it is today. Having said that, Rob was banned from Bobby Robson's 1990 World Cup HQ, and he was once wrestled to the ground by Martin Keown. Not a cue for the song, I hasten to add. Uh, his biggest scoop was breaking the news that Terry Venables would quit as England manager, whatever the outcome of Euro 96, because the FA refused to sanction a new contract. His finest achievement on a football pitch was sticking a winning goal past Jan Tomaszewski in a media match at Katowice. Overzealously, he celebrated by kissing him on the cheek and saying, That's for 1973, clown! He was also very, very nice to me after his team duffed us up on Saturday. It's good to see my old mate Rob making his debut on the show. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, Celery Man. Celery Man. I'm loving that. This is why he's welcome here. Anyway, last uh, of the journalists that we got on the show is Dan Levine. Now, Dan is a freelance journalist who covers Chelsea for various papers. He's the Chelsea man for our local paper, the Fulham Chronicle, and he's best known to Chelsea fans as... Blue at Blues Chronicle on Twitter. Now, he, uh, he has worked in press and PR for 20 years and has supported Chelsea since Pat Nevin was the glorious future of this club. Uh, welcome back, Dan. Lovely Making to Making your third appearance on the show, I believe, fella. Can't keep awake. Uh, you must love us an awful lot to do that. I'm very pleased to see you again. Uh, now, uh, what's the plan for this evening? Well, uh, we have a number of questions that uh, listeners to the show have sent in. Uh, now, the first part of the show, we're going to be covering areas such as the perceived negativity towards Chelsea and where the press gets their stories from. In part two, we'll be discussing Terrygate and Clatterberggate. And in the final part of the show, we'll be looking at issues such as the press and social media, the press relations with the club and the fans and how this can be improved. Now, last but by no means least, we have Pablo as my right-hand man. Hello, Pablo. Hello, Chidge. You're right. Two, I'm very well, mate. We're, we're, this is two nights in a row for us. We're, we're getting, not getting paid overtime, sadly. Uh, no, we're already peaking on listeners from last night. Are we so, really? Yeah. We've got three and my mum, then. That's good to know. Looks anyway, like it, doesn't it? Anyway, as Pablo's already indicated, he's going to be manning the laptop and bringing in comments from the audience who are listening in live on Mixler and uh, on the at Chelsea Fancast Twitter feed. Uh, now, we also have a lot of people on the benches tonight, which is great to see. Now, we will bring you in for comments during the show, but obviously don't shout out during us talking. Put your hand up and we will introduce you, and Pablo will try and get a mic near to you, but I fear it might be rather difficult, so you might have to shout loudly or approach the bench in true man- in, you know, kind of magistrate's order. But anyway, now listen, one very, very important house rule. I know emotions on many of these issues run high, but please bear in mind the guys on the panel have been very gracious uh, to come here and give us their time. So please show some respect and absolutely no abuse. But applause and the odd boo is acceptable. In fact, I think a round of applause for them already would be nice. I, I think welcome them properly in a Chelsea fancast styling. There we go. That's more like it. Now, can, can we hear what the boos will sound like? We're very, very practised at booing. isn't here. Well, we'll just pretend he is. Uh, so a little boo, just so we know what we're doing. Boo. Yeah, it was very much like that the other day, of course. Anyway, so now we know what we're in for. Now, uh, for those of you uh, listening to this podcast, uh, listening to this as a podcast, should I say, don't forget you can now listen to it live uh, by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast on your computer or your iPhone. 
and uh, you'll be able to interact with us live or Mixler or the Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, as I said. Now, you can also email us at chelseafancast at gmail.com. Now, none of this would be possible without the backing from our lovely sponsor, Exposed Designs. Exposed Designs, top of the league for exhibition stand design and build, offering a complete worldwide service and offering great savings on roller banners, graphics, PVC banners and personalised gifts. Email team at exposeddesigns.co.uk or visit exposeddesigns.co.uk for more details. How about that, boys? The Chelsea Football Fancast versus the press. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Now, uh, on with the show. Um, we've got a, a great question. Um, I'm, I'm basically wanting to talk about the, the Roman factor, boys, first, because I, this is something that's, that's often come up in conversation with you anyway, and, and certainly with a lot of the fans that listen to the show. So the first question is from a lovely lad who I believe is, is from Sri Lanka, although he will thump me if I'm wrong. Uh, but it's Venkat Ramamurthy, a.k.a. at Celeryfile. And he says, I have always felt the media are a bit precious about Roman. They don't like the fact that he's walked in with all his money and transformed poor old Chelsea, in quotation marks, from an occasional cup-winning team and the butt of music hall jokes to one of the most prestigious clubs in the world. But more than that, uh, it is that they don't like the fact that he doesn't speak to them and doesn't care about them. Is this the reason why so much press about Chelsea is negative? I I think we asked a similar (laughs) thing of you last time, Neil, so I'm going to ask Martin because he laughed most. Well, let's... First of all, Chelsea's transformation overnight transformation was the best story in football it remains the best story in football nobody really saw it coming as a consequence it's altered the parameters and dynamics of all coverage of of the game because Chelsea went from being the Bates Motel and all of that negativity that was there to a completely different orbit it went from being a club in London probably the third club in London in reality despite the success that they'd had in that small spell into the biggest club in London in many ways, the newsiest club in London without question. Uh, And from a purely personal perspective, given that I have to cover the best story and I live half a mile from here, where this podcast is being recorded and Cobham's down the road... Remember that, folks. (laughs) He's local. The growth growth of Chelsea has been a godsend. It it spared me two hours each way on the M25 going to to (laughs) London Colney on a Friday. So it's been great for me. But seriously, you're right. We don't know what Abramovich says. But do you not think that there are entourages, circles, people within, you know, people outside the inner circle, inside the inner circle, so many conflicting agendas at Chelsea that all want to have their voice heard. We know that people go in and out of favour within the... the I mean, to, 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 without kind of, you know, using a bit of a pun, it is very much like the Roman em- Empire, isn't it, in that respect? You quite, don't quite know who you're dealing with, and I, I would accept Well, I don't think anyone says to him, by the way, you're still mortal, you're not a god. I think that's yeah. the problem, perhaps. But he does put help. his thumb down a lot, doesn't he, as well, we keep seeing? Well, well, he certainly seems to. I mean, look, they've had a, a turnover of managers, which is re- remarkable, there's no question of that. We've had a fixation with two strikers. Need, nobody at the club really wanted either of them. First Shevchenko and then Torres. Uh, that's entirely due to the, the desire of the, of the owner for these players to work. He clearly has a very short uh, you know, threshold for, for perceived failure. Mm. Um, 
And at the same time, he's turned the club into a trophy-winning machine, and that's great copy. Rob, go on. You're, you're, well, I was going to say, you mentioned Roman Empire, and I suppose you, <clears throat> you say the thumb down <clears throat> for Chelsea fans. He's become more Nero than Hero, I would say, at the moment. But, you know, where would Chelsea be without Abramovich's money? And Martin's quite right. They, they changed the dynamic. I was in Monaco, um, in fact, just around the time that he'd arrived, and um, David Dean made that famous speech about Chelsea have just rolled up um, with a tank firing 50 ruble uh, notes onto my guard or onto, onto our mm. garden's doorstep. And at the time, let's not forget, it was Manchester United and Arsenal every season. It was mm. getting dull. And Chelsea, you know, became a great story. I'm old enough to remember, of course, when Chelsea were the press darlings in the late 60s, early 70s mm. with the Kings of the Kings Row, who actually never won that much, really. Well, the Cup and the European... Yeah, no, the Cup, cup and the Cup and the Cup. And they were, close, they were close in the Listen, league a few times. Of course, they were fantastic at the time. But there's this, this, and, they, and they drank with the press a lot more. They did, certainly. <laughs> and in fact, they still do, some of them. Um, you know, um, Ooh, Later, controversial. Well, yeah, no, I'm talking about that. No, don't <laughs> play. Although, I thought I had a scoop. Um, although, you know, you go through the Kerry Dixon era, they did still. And actually, one or two of the current squad have been known to. Although, you know, it's now becoming more cosmopolitan. It doesn't happen. We're going to talk about that later. Um, but I think Martin's absolutely right. Chelsea changed not only the dynamic of the Premier League and possibly the way it was covered, um, but you know they were they were a great story and a positive story. The problem is, and I'm sorry, the fans are going to annoy me. With the success, become becomes an, an element of arrogance and and, and, and actually um, almost um, untouchable, and and that's where. Perhaps the press might take a different view. But also, we can't help the fact that the club have turned it into a negative story with, what, nine managers and, and ridiculous sackings of managers. I mean, we, we start particularly with how Marino was forced out. And I, I still look back and think, you know, where Chelsea would have been now had Marino I been think, allowed to stay and develop the team. To be, a, to be fair, I think a lot of us would actually, Rob. I mean, Neil, you know, we've always felt that um, this is actually quite a thorny issue with the, with the press. The press are paid and there to get stories this is this is your job uh you know you all know like we all know that the guy who's making all the all of the decisions of that club is roman abramovich but you get no access to him surely that must have an effect that must you know influence your attitude to the club in some way well i, I think we've come to accept you know he's been at the club for nine years now we we accept that we will never have the the opportunity to either speak to him or to interview him i i heard him uh speaking in his court case with boris berezovsky Last, last year um, at length um, in Russian but via a translator and uh, you know that, that's, that's the first time that I'd ever heard him speak now he didn't speak about his club but he certainly spoke at length yeah. about his business interests we, we know that he's got an, an extraordinary appetite for success for trophies which is why Roberto Di Matteo has, has left the club already the downfall of Community Shield the Super Cup in Monaco losing those games losing the thread and the rhythm in the Premier League this season, and of course, the ultimate, uh, the, the ultimate uh, judge, which is which is the Champions League and their, and their poor performance in that. But I think every journalist accepts that we will we'll never ever have does, any does access. It, does to it we'll matter? Speak to, but also, you know, I have to say, no one speaks to Stan Kroenke. Say, I was going to say, does it matter? But I remember flying. I remember being with John Cross and Tony Banks at the airport terminal at Heathrow. We were flying to. Champions League final 2008 so we're flying to Moscow and we saw Eugene Tenenbaum with, with his son um, in the airport terminal and we thought okay well we're, we're going to do our job so we're going to we'll go and introduce ourselves um, as journalists we'll say who we are 
Um, and, you know, we made that approach and we were very, very polite and very civil to Tenenbaum. And as we introduced ourselves one by one, he said, well, now you've introduced yourselves, so you can go away. Now, you just mentioned that kind of arrogance. Uh, Rob mentioned the arrogance of the club. Those kind of situations that don't help. Now, I'm not saying that, that he should have sat us down and had five minutes for a cup of tea. He could have been very, very polite. He could have been polite. He could have been pleasant and said, look, lads, I've got my son with me. This isn't the right time. I'm, fl I'm flying to the Champions League final, perhaps another time. And we'd have said, enjoy the game. Hope you win. Good luck. But he didn't. He chose a completely different, an incredibly rude, incredibly rude moment. Um, and, and those things certainly don't help. They don't help. With, with I mean, the image of your football club. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you know, number one, does it really matter if you don't get to speak to the person that runs the club? And, I, and I'd, I'd turn that round the other way and say, you know, you don't actually often get... I mean, football is a bit odd, I accept this. And this kind of runs into my follow-up on what you were saying, which is, you know, there, f football is a very close-knit family, in my experience. And in, in some ways, I, I, I have sympathy for what you're saying. You know, everybody works in the same business. There, there's quite a lot of close contact. You would actually expect a little bit of personability uh, between people who run the club and you guys. But on the other hand, you don't get access to the chief executive of a multinational uh, organisation very easily. So why should it be any different in football? Well, you'd, you'd work hard to the, the difference here is it's not necessarily that myself, Martin, Rob want, want to build relationships with Ronald Abramovich. We, we accept that that will never happen. Or but you, as, but you as fans have got absolutely no idea what his philosophy is. All, all, the, only, the only way, the only, the only kind of ideas you have about it is he hires a manager and then he fires them six months later, mm. which is what he's done on a number of occasions. So that, that, is, that, is, that is the only reading of the situation that you have at Chelsea Football Club. You don't know what he really wants other than he's got a thirst for winning. He wants to play a certain style of football. That's, that is our belief. and that's, 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 Sorry. You know, I was just going to say, before Dan comes in, because I don't... You know, Neil makes a point there about Tenenbaum's attitude. You know, I go back to an era where we were able maybe to speak to, to the owners of club a little bit more and it, you get an insight of what the direction is a little bit mm -hmm. more and, and sometimes once you do have a relationship perhaps the um, the veracity at which someone might um, look at a situation may be lessened but uh, you know Neil had an article in, in the paper this morning in the mail this morning with, with Bobby Campbell who's sort of been a a sleeping advisor at the club for a long, long time. You nearly actually. said sleeping giant then, Rob. I'm well, glad you did. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I go back to the, the Bobby Campbell days and the Middlesbrough match and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. But there was an interesting quote in, in the article uh, that said, I can't tell you anymore, otherwise I'll kill you. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was and, quite mad. And, and he said, you've got to understand how different the mentality of, yeah. of, of the Russians is. I Personally, you look at Manchester United, you look at the Glazers, you look at the owners of Manchester City, you look at the people that are running Chelsea... And, and to a degree now, Arsenal conquer. There is an element of taking the game, the club, away from the supporters. Um, and part of the role of journalists has always been to be a bridge between uh, the fans and the club. And if that, is, if that bridge is being broken, then sometimes some of the difficult situations aren't being able to explain to, to, to the fans. And also quite exactly what... Abramovich perceives to be the direction and style. This is a man who didn't really know anything about football 10 years ago. He was apparently 12 years ago. He made his money selling yellow ducks, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in Red Square. I doubt that's where he made his billions. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think it should be important. Someone like Tenenbaum, who's is a lieutenant, should at least show some civility towards the press. And maybe that might that might help the situation when it comes to standoffs. We're going to talk a lot about that in, I think, you know, the whole kind of relationship between the press and the club uh, in the third part of the show. So it'd be nice to pick up on that. Dan, just to change the emphasis a, w a weenie bit, 
Um, I think a lot of the, the suspicion that, that, that fans of the club have is that it's, it's very, very difficult to, uh, you know, to cast aside your uh, partisan support of one club and, and write with impartiality. Now, you're in a kind of a peculiar position because you write for the Fulham and uh, Hammersmith Chronicle, which is a local rag. You're a well-known Chelsea fan. And, and you write with a Chelsea head on, don't you? So, you know, you don't, it doesn't seem to me that you have the same rules as the other guys, but there is that. But on the other hand, do you think that they maybe have a little bit of their own kind of club support coming into what they write? I mean, you know, Rob's a West Ham fan, Martin's a Spurs fan. I mean, Neil's a Palace fan, so I suppose that doesn't really... No, no, we'll I'm, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll probably be in Division 2, mate, that's why. Anyway, what, what do you reckon, Dan? I think, looking around the table, all these people are very impartial when they write. I don't think I've ever yeah. read anything on here writes that, that I certainly ne- never read anything from Martin that made me think immediately that was written by a Tottenham fan and, and, and ditto the other guys. I think people are able to cast those, those things aside and, and you know people maybe will disagree on this but on, on the key issues when I've written about things like court cases I've done the same myself. Mm. Um, going back to just the point about Abramovich that you were making, Rob made a, a very good point about how he changed the model of the, 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 the club owner and, and I think maybe Abramovich pays for a little of that bit of that being the first one to do that. Um, I'm not sure that um, people like the people who run Man City and the people who run Arsenal get quite as much um, scrutiny or quite as much um, you know, desperation to speak to them as, as Abramovich does. And I don't think they get quite as much held against them. As, as, as a brand I, I do sense and I've often sensed that there's a, there's a little I mean it's, a, it's the classic kind of British syndrome in a way isn't it you, you, you know you, you back somebody when they're on their way to success they get successful you get bored of it and you, learn, you delight in knocking them down but I, I sense that a lot of this comes from envy I really do but go on pick it up I'm, I'm sure it does but, but at the same time you know peep, peep, somebody who moves in and, and takes over a, a major institution or indeed creates a major institution in, in Britain there is, it's fair enough they are due to well, have I'll, certain amount of scrutiny I know. would have to say there is something I mean Abramovich is uh, you know even though you're in a Pythoness situation at, at Chelsea at the moment what has Roman done for the club you know a huge well, amount apart, apart from winners no, exactly, the Champions League exactly, I'm saying that but there is <laughs> that, that's the I'm sorry making. I'm yeah. sorry there is well, something well. there is something sinister about his background you know and 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 a lot of journalists that looked in it, my, uh, sorry, Neil just mentioned, you know, an unbelievably high profile, you know, court case over, you know, three billion pound lawsuit. And if you actually went, if you went through a lot of the transcripts of, of that court case, some of it's actually spine chilling. It's almost Ian Fleming novel like stuff. You know, um, we know about the the background of Shank Monzur. You know, the Glazers, we know about the background of them. We know about the Cronkier background, even if they don't talk. We don't really know about Abramovich, and I think that's why it, he attracts a, a, another form of attention. Um, and, and it's almost, you know, his, 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 his policy has almost been, a part of his strategy to come into English football has almost been like hiding in plain sight, as you might put it. He, he likes the high profile without talking. It's almost a protection to him for whatever reason. The others yeah, also haven't changed that. managers so much. I mean, let's be fair. One of the reasons we talk about Abramovich is because every six months he seems to change his mind or he wants his manager. But you, yeah. could, say, you could say, to be yeah. fair, Martin, you know, that, that not, not a dissimilar situation was happening under Bates before, uh, before Roman took over. We were changing yeah, but, managers. But we changing could talk ma- to Bates. Wait a minute, changing managers for daft reasons as well. I mean, you know, why did Viali go? Why did uh, Hulig go? You know, yeah, but, I mean, you could say the same but thing. But you know, for better or worse, and I've known Ken a long, long time. For better or worse, <laughs> haven't we all, Rob? Haven't we all? <laughs> yeah, you want to see some of the lunch bills? But um, you know, he—he he, at least he was out there making an explanation. Whether you agree with it or not, uh, you know, 
He, he loved the attention. Well, so did Matthew Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then let, you know, let's whilst we're on here, let's not forget his role in, in the revival or, or the saviour of this club at a, a, a crucial time. If I right, but before we, sorry, Dan, before we uh, we carry on with ourselves, I mean, what anybody else out there? I mean, tell what you've got a point. Can you just gonna have to shout loud, mate? Because I can't yeah. get the mic over. Or, or come over here, mate. So we're just going to have a quick uh, musical interlude. Just to prove I can still stand tell, up tell, we'll go by, tell, <laughs> tell we'll go via the gents, of course, before he gets to the mic. But uh, what, what do you think of what they said? Well, we've just heard all these press boys slagging off Ram- Abramovich. We didn't slag him off. Yes, you did. No, you we didn't. Did. You we didn't. Slagged him off. Yes, so, okay, tell, explain, oh, ex- explain, oh, explain why. You explain why. Slag him off. You, you've all slagged him off. So explain and it. Yeah, and uh, that's well, what Chelsea fans Explain. No, hang, explain. Let, let, explain. Let him, no, let no. Let me speak. I'm yeah, going to. Go let on. Him. Shut up and let me speak. No, come on. Explain. Shush. Let me speak. Shush. Let him. Let him. Gob, shut. Shut up. Shush. Go on. You've explain all it. slagged Ram Bramovich off. You have. You've all said he's. Uh, Rob said about this uh, stuff about his uh, financial aspect. So well, I'm not concerned about that. It's a f- football thing that the Chelsea fans are concerned about the football side of it, and uh, you've all. You've all um, criticised him. But, but, but Martin, I don't know. Don't we didn't. We just, it's all right, a statement tell, of tell, fact. Tell, tell. All right. It's a statement of Martin, fact. You've changed the manager. It's a statement Martin, of fact that you've changed all the manager. Tell, him off. Tell, let, let, Mark, Mark, tell, 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 let, let him come back. Come on, please. Where did we slag him off? I think they might. I mean, I think what tells. <laughs> we I, think, I think what tells saying is that. It was it's a statement of fact that he's changed the manager. Okay, okay. But I think the point that Rob. Isn't the only thing you said. All right, oh, to let Rob get back in. But I think I think Rob Rob was basically Terry, the whole Terry, kind just, of sinisterism of, 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 of the whole Russian uh, you know, history. He's just moved that. off the bench. I would just take issue with there is that phrase, you've just slagged him off. And when we get this very often um, by, by supporters saying, you slagged this person off or you slagged that person off. And it's just almost like a... Um, a, a phrase, an all-encompassing phrase that doesn't really mean anything, does it? I mean, all we were trying, we were trying to be analytical about that. It's rather like you go to a football match before a game and a support will say, can you give us a good write-up today? And it's like, <laughs> well, you know, what, what if you lose 7-0? You know, I mean, but that phrase... Well, we'd say you'd, we'd say you'd slag us we'd, off, we, obviously. We, you know, if, 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 don't want to be... It's just to be a bit more constructive about the criticism. Um, We've said that Roman Abramovich has changed the dynamic of this football club. We've said he's actually changed, helped change the face of English football, got rid of the Manchester United, um, Arsenal cartel or duopoly that was happening at the time. All those positives that, that's happened. But clearly there are issues that you supporters are now questioning, particularly at the situation you have at the moment, where he's decided to get rid of a manager that won you the European Cup and FA Cup. That's a question that's got to be asked. That's not... You know, and, and it's a question about Abramovich's motivations as, as a football owner, um, and also it possibly even the vice he gets from a football point of view at running your football club, which is in a state of malaise. Right, hardly, just, hardly malaise when you're when you're third and you're playing in the World Club Championship coming up, but you're not happy. Well, I tell you what, Rob, just to put a line under this because we've got so many other questions and we really should move on. But I think I think all, and I'll just put a straw poll up in this in a minute, but. I think all Chelsea fans right now feel very, very conflicted about Roman because of what's gone on with Robbie and Benitez and obviously not being listened to by the vast majority of the fans. And yet, at the same time, this is the man that came in and saved the club. We would have been out of business within a week had he not turned up. So he saved our club. Very important to fans, obviously. And then we've just seen year after year after year after year after year of success, which none of us dreamed. I mean, most of the people in this room were in Munich on May the 19th 
and I bet you I was most of the people in this room were absolutely in floods of tears at the end of the match and he gave us that so on the one hand you've got we don't like what you're doing but on the other hand you gave us all this that makes us all very very conflicted very difficult um, would it, do you all kind of just put your hands up would you agree with that people out on the floor yeah, I mean, in fact, the majority, the majority, yeah, I'd say about 80% are agree no, I, I, I mean, no. Martin's particularly sore, of course, but as a Tottenham fan, Absolutely. Daniel <laughs> Levy <laughs> turned Abramovich away. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, um, terrible thing. Which, uh, but no, brilliant. seriously, I, you know, I understand the, the passion that Terry shows, but where did, in that conversation, people slag to be, to be, Abramovich? To be really fair, oh. I don't think you gave him a real kicking, but I think Didn't there were allusions any sort of kicking. Right, yeah, we're going to go yeah, on to the next just, question, just, because... Oh, go on, go on. I was going to say, tweet. quickly, on the um, tweets in the um, Mixlar chat room, there's a lot of talk over the comment of saying that Roman has a sinister background yeah. Yeah. that they seem That's to have picked up on as, I won't, I won't say slagging off, but that well, would be the... I mean, it is a fact. I was going to say, I was in that court case, and... This seems like a really, really minor point, but right at the beginning of his evidence and the cross-examination of his evidence, he was asked about his law degree, which he has stated on numerous times that he has. He was asked where and when um, he got that law degree and was unable to provide an answer. and was also unable to confirm whether or not he had a law degree. Now, I don't think it matters what, what age you are. You will remember whether you came through the educational system in Russia, in Moscow, and whether or not you did obtain a law degree by uh, by the appropriate means and via university, he couldn't. He said he couldn't remember. Now that's a bit on. weird. You would well, know there was also whether or not you you, <laughs> yeah. you, you got right. that degree. Let's let's draw a line under it because otherwise, we, I mean, we've got so many to get through, and uh, I'm going to go for the next question straight away. Um, this is from Dave Abigail, a.k.a. at CFC Science, and he says, What I'd like to know from the journalists is what, to what extent they perceive themselves to be inside the bubble, which I think he means, you know, it seems to, uh, obvious to me that there's a groupthink that occurs with, uh, with them. And I bet that having them all sit in the same place, stay in the same hotels and spend uh, so much time with each other is a factor in that. Does this lead to a pack mentality when it comes to an issue with a club? And I mean, you know, we, we often hear the term the press pack. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this off with uh, actually Dan because you can, you might have a more objective view because I suspect you don't get the uh, you know the same grace and favour hotels that these boys do. I suspect, but I could be wrong. Definitely not. No, I'm, de- I'm in the. You look a lot slimmer. I'll say that. I'm, I'm in the travel lodge where they're in the Hilton. <laughs> um, what do you think? Is there a pack mentality with the press? I'm not. I've, I've worked in news journalism. I've worked in PR. I've been to news press conferences for big national events. I've actually hosted news press conferences for big national events and news journalists in my experience behave in a very very different way they 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 get their story they hide it under their bushel and they they run away with it and go off with their own angle and sport does seem to be a little bit different there does seem to be a a definite um joining together everyone says well what's the the angle there what we're going to go with and there is a from my experience there does seem to be a little bit of a pack now that a lot of the time that's for pragmatic reasons you know the, the quotes that are available are always slightly, um, um, they're, sli- uh, they're slightly uh, difficult to get hold of, and uh, you never know where the next ones are going to come from. But it just seems like an odd, an odd way for journalists to behave. I don't know, maybe That's maybe it's just guys... natural. I mean, you know, you, I mean, I, the, all the journalists that I've ever met that tend to know all the other journalists, and you know, there is quite a lot. Of, it's it's a quite small, a social. Well, it's group. a small group. It is. There's not many group. of us, so we are on each other's. Yeah. No, I can understand that. But I mean, you think of a, cha- you think of a Champions League game. Uh, when we were, for, for an away game, when we were all 
travel together because that's that's a uh, an official club trip mm. which is made which makes our life a lot easier because it tells you know be at Gatwick at eight o'clock in the morning the flights at ten o'clock in the morning you'll stay in this hotel you'll be shuttled to the press conference shuttled back on a bus in inevitably that means spending a lot of time with 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 journalists but it doesn't that doesn't mean to say that we don't work individually on our own um, and of course in press conferences naturally the, the, the quite often people will pick exactly the same story from that press conference but that's that's not unusual I, I, I would say I mean I think Dan has a point and Neil has a point I mean I, I speak to someone that is no longer involved in the day to day you know national newspaper situation um, as I once was one of the things that's changed is that there is so much orchestration with regard to a lot of press conferences staff uh, and often people to cover their backs you know do check what's been said um, you know, I, I personally from an era where the stuff wasn't orchestrated and you might have to go and grab someone in a car park began to find that rather rather frustrating but don't underestimate that away from a press conference or a trip these guys are working you know independently and you know and, and using their own con con contacts and and, and and sources so um what you see sometimes is not quite actually what happens but in terms of um the, the clubs want it to be orchestrated they don't really want mavericks to be out mm. there anymore the clubs um have put firewalls down they're called pr departments and they're pushing out stuff that they want to be printed and it's harder and harder for the guys to operate as individual uh, yeah. I mean, one, one have, you ever, have you ever played Risk? Yes. I, or Diplomacy? I was very good at Risk, crap at Diplomacy. Well, basically, <laughs> what a surprise. we are playing, <laughs> as sports journalists, we are playing Risk and Diplomacy yeah. every day. We are making and breaking alliances and allegiances mm. within the key, because most times it's the same people cover the clubs. And you will say, well, I'll work with X on this story, but I'll cut him out of that story. Because yeah. that's the way it works. Everybody, some people are complete lone wolves, but at other times you have to work collectively if you've got three things happening at the same time you can't all be at the same place one of the things I think this alludes to really is that I mean particularly in, in the big issues let, let's not get into what those are because we will do in a minute but uh, a lot of the big issues that have been surrounding the club recently there was a, a, a real feeling that we were seeing this a lot on Twitter as well everybody all the, all the other journalists not, not you guys particularly actually to be fair but a lot of the others were all going down the same line and there were very few that were coming out with a very different uh, perspective. Martin Samuels always seemed to the one, the, the one that would be writing in a very different way, making very different points and looking at it from a different yeah, but perspective. Fair to Martin, so why, why is that? In a particular case on Terry and, and Suarez, he was utterly inconsistent. When the Liverpool fans said, um, talked about the, this idea of it being a, a kangaroo court because it was 99% um, conviction rate, his response was, well, it doesn't matter because the, the, these are the findings and can't they accept the findings? Mm. Yet, six months down the line, Martin was saying it's a kangaroo call because 99% of people are convicted in the case of Terry. So I thought, well, I understood there some of the well, argument. There is, there is he was quite inconsistent. Is, you know in Martin very well, all of you guys. You've worked with him, you've worked with him. I'm sure you've yeah. worked with him too, haven't you? So tell no, me. No, he's a perfectly legitimate I mean, I, view. I, I, I hate to pick him out. I hate to single him out, but certainly from the perspective and also, of the fans. He doesn't he's, deal you know, day to day with the club. Well, he's writing a different kind of piece, and I think we'll go into that a little bit later too because I know that that's important. But anyway, go on, Rob. No, I was just going to say, you just hit the, you know, Martin. I've known a very long time, um, and uh, the role he has now, he, he's not required necessarily to write news stories. Uh, so, we, it, opinion is, uh, and you know, I, I think he's one of the best out there, if not the best. But opinion um, is a million miles away from writing a news story. I mean, you can't help writing a new a, a news story. Might be 
perceived to be negative towards a club. But what you're meant to do, change change the story, just to, to, mm. to, to, to change satisfy. the facts. The facts, <laughs> the facts are there. I mean, I do feel, um, and we, I know we're going to move on to it in, in another section, but, I mean, I strangely, uh, Chelsea fans, I, I was infuriated personally with the way the news agenda went with the John Terry situation. We'll maybe come to that later. Because I did feel that there was, there was an agenda there where, where the news was being spun for, for a, a particular reason. Well, and just, just pick up on that, because I want to lead into this, because uh, you know, in my job, when I've made uh, TV programmes, uh, in spite of the fact that it's, it's effectively my vision or my interpretation of what people want that goes on the screen, you know, inevitably I've had seven layers of idiots above me coming down with their own vision, or, more to the point, an editorial line, which I've had to follow, no matter how daft yeah. I think it is. How much? How much? You know, does that? Is, how is that similar to how it works with you guys? I mean, Neil, you pick this up. You know, do you have to follow an editorial line, or are you left to your own devices? No, I'm, I'm left to my own devices, and you know, I I stand or fall on on the stories that I produce for my newspaper. Now, you know, I've been covering Chelsea for for an awful long time now. It's a club that I've got that, I, that I've watched so much of, probably since since certainly since sort of 2003, 2004, the the Abramovich era. And perhaps it's the club that, that I'm closest to in, in, in a professional sense. But at no point has anybody ever said to me in my, in my office. And, and, if they, and if they have, or if they would, or if they're going to, then I'm, I'm big enough to, and, and I've been around the game long enough. To I think that's just to be able to, be able to stand, to, to be able to have my own view. I mean, that, that's what I'm entitled that, that's to do. A very and good I've got a very, priv- I'm in a privileged position All right. in that I deal with Chelsea That's a good point, Neil, because out. once you get to a situation where you are big enough and you're more able to do it when you lower down the food chain, mm, let's be honest. And one of the problems is it's not always the, the guys in the field's fault or the guys back at the ranch, the desk. There's a combination of both. But there is sometimes, let's be honest, it's not a criticism, because I've been there as well, there's a fear factor that if you get the wrong angle on a story... Um, and five out of six other papers do one angle. You do the other. Mm. You get, it, you know, it's perceived that you've done the wrong angle, even if it's the right one. And and I think that there sh- personally should be more um, solid stance or st- standing by either the reporter in the field or the editor at the desk to say, "Don't care what the other guys are doing. This is what <laughs> we're doing." And it does happen. And it, you've got to be in a strong position though, um, as as a reporter, to stand up to your desk. Um, and that's why, you know, when you get into positions like you're in Martin, you're in Neil, Martin, Samuel, other people we can mention, they're able to do that. But sometimes people lower down the food chain do get sucked into that pack mentality. Right, the other, th- the other side to this, I think, which is interesting, which we don't understand as, as, as just mere football fans, uh, is, is the difference between the headline and the piece. <laughs> And from my understanding of journalism, <laughs> quite often you guys aren't responsible ever for the headline. Been to a Not even quite often. Have you ever, well, that's, well, this is what I have want you to hear. Ever, ever been to a supermarket? Yes. Right. What you see necessarily on the advertising holding, you know, above your, you, you know, your shredders that you had this morning or whatever, is completely different to what you actually buy. A headline is is is, is a an advertising yeah. banner to draw you in to read a story. And it's meant to be a pricey of the entire story. So what's, what's, how does it work in your field, Martin? But I'll, tell you for, I'll tell you why I'm saying this, and I yeah. really want to get to the bottom of this, because you know, it's actually quite often the headline that pisses the fans off more mm. than anything else. Do, do, do you know who gets more pissed off about headlines than anybody else? Yeah. You got the bloke who's got his bloody byline on the story. I'll give you... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Because we don't... I, I don't know how many times I have to say this. <laughs> I have never written a headline yeah. in my 
life. Yeah, but hang on, we can't walk away. Once our names, I and I, I'll that. give you a quick example. I'll be as quick as I can. Uh, World Cup uh, in Japan, 2002. We interviewed David Beckham. Um, myself and the great late Brian Warner got David Beckham. We asked him. Other people were there, but we, we, we sort of pushed a line of question. If the ball came over with a minute to go, would you would you fist the ball yeah. in? And David said, well, you know, if it got us beat Argentina, yeah, I would. Okay. So we go back, and basically we've got a good story there. I'll do a Maradona for England. Hand of God, Beckham, blah, blah, blah. Um, about 20 minutes later, we get someone from the FA saying, please don't say David Beckham says I'll cheat for England. Okay. I said, no, no, there's no way that's going to happen. No way that's going to happen at all. Um, and I, you know, I think I certainly wrote it as the way I've just said it. I'm walking around telling everybody else, I hope you haven't wrote, I'll cheat for England, David Beckham. We can't let him down, blah, 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 blah. Next day, I get someone from the FA saying, what the hell have you done? I said, what do you mean? Have you seen the back page of the Express this morning? I said, no. And they show it to me, obviously time difference. I'll cheat for England, says David Beckham by Rob Shepard. Now, I went absolutely yeah. mad. Um, in a sense, someone will argue that's what he's really trying to say. Um, obviously, it wasn't. Um, newspapers, ultimately, as much as we want to be you know, in, 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 integral uh, as journalists, news, newspapers and the editors are out there to sell newspapers. And sometimes, I'm afraid, the headlines will be a bit more hyster- hysterical Absolutely. than the actual copy. But sometimes you've got to read through it. That being the case, Neil... Um you know, with that in mind, I mean, I, I'm no fool either, I, and, and I know when I make a TV program, my job is not to like foist my view on people; it's actually to entertain people. So, you know, does that go through your head when you're writing? That oh, hang on a minute, if I put it like this, then that's actually going to get more people to read this. No, I think to no, be, no, to no, no. I, tell, I mean, I, I've had a very similar experience to Rob, but on a on a different scale, though. More recently, and that was with Wilfred Zaha. <laughs> um, Who? Because, yeah, Wilfred Zaha. Is he, is he a Palace he, he, player? Coming to a club near you very soon, and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed him just before, just before England played Sweden and during the course of that interview and he, and he was a fantastic interview young man and he talked about you know we said have you ever the question to, to Wilfred was are you scared have you ever walked onto a football pitch and you're scared of anybody and he said well no if I walked onto a football pitch okay if I if I come up against Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi then I think yeah well I'm in different company but other than that I don't fear anybody now that was part of a very very lengthy interview which was published the day after he was called up into the England squad and the timing is everything because it just happened very, very fortuitously for myself and Dominic Fifield at the Guardian that he was called into the squad just as we'd done that interview. But the headline in the mail the next day was, I'm better, I'm, I'm the third best player in the yeah. world. I'm a mess, apart from Ronaldo and Messi, no one's better than me, is the headline. <laughs> and, and that caused you know, embarrassment for the yeah. player in the England camp. It caused uh, phone calls from the FA, phone calls from his agent, the Crystal Palace as well. They're upset. But if you actually read the copy, if you read that piece, you'll see that actually what the guy's trying to say is, okay, he understands that there is a, there is a different level, mm. and a level of players, Ronaldo, Messi, Xavi, Iniesta. He's talking about that grouping, different class, different world. But apart from that, then there is another, le- then there is another level of From a technical players. point of view, and I have done the technical side, the production side as well, writing a headline, you can't... You know, if you've only got a certain amount of space to write a headline... It has to be something that grabs people's attention. It really can be annoying for the writers. Don't underestimate that. But to be due deference to your desk, someone's going to read that possibly more than a very bland headline. All right, I've got it's a- just a difficult equation. Okay. And do you know what? It's, it frustrates us as reporters. Right, it actually lets, lets us down sometimes. I've got, I've got Francis, who's, who wants to, I think, uh, comment, make a comment on this. I'm just, I work in a job that requires a high degree of integrity. 
And I'm just really interested, and in, I was interested in the subject you're talking about before tonight, and just hearing you talk now, you're very passionate about your jobs, but I want to know where integrity comes into it. You write a story, you think it's a good story, and your heart and soul's got into it, and then some editor with a completely different agenda, which has got money-making at its soul and heart, how does that make you feel? In all honesty, if you can answer that. Well, my, exactly my, well, in terms of, well, in terms of my own... I, I, and Rob touched on the point earlier about being, being when, you, when you're a bit younger and, and I guess coming through the ranks, is that things can be rewritten, things that you've written, stories that you get, um, a different emphasis, and, and certainly people in the office on occasion um, have changed the emphasis of that story or rewritten it, but certainly in the positions that, that myself, Martin, Rob are in, there is no way that anything that would go in our, anything would go in our newspapers or anything that we've written over... I mean, for me, years Martin, perhaps longer, and Rob probably even longer, without his blessing. And I, and I would expect, <coughs> at the bare minimum, a phone call from my office to tell me that we actually believe there, the story has gone There are times when you feel like, feel like an idealistic politician who goes into Westminster promising to change the world but ends up just becoming lobby fodder, that you end up having to obey the whips, particularly further down the, the food chain. Well, when you get to a ministerial level, which is effectively, if you can draw the parallel, where, where we've got to... Does that make you, you minister, have, minister of silly words? Well, I try to be. You yeah. tend to have a bit more um, justification, you know, position where you can um, you know, do, no, uh, control fair. your own agenda. Yeah. But even then... There's always somebody to whom you're answerable, yeah. which is the of fellow handing out... Well, Twas ever thus. I, I think it's a great question, and, uh, and again, I speak from a slightly different situation where I'm no longer in, in, involved in, in directly in, in national papers um, and um, on a day-to-day, -day, on a regular <coughs> basis. Uh, and it's something I particularly questioned m myself in the last year or so um, and, and about how it, how it, it can affect you. Um, and if you if you want to get deep into it, some of the some of the findings of the Levis inquiry have have been quite um, not only thought provoking, but have uh, have have messed around with the heart and soul. And and that's not being over romantic because um, the game has got tougher and harder and more cynical um, in terms of I'm talking about the press side of things, uh, and, uh, and and in many ways more ruthless. But then we go back to what we were talking about earlier on. Is because the clubs have become, in certainly in football terms, have become so more more detached that there is almost a, a, a less of a, a, an empathy. If you sit down with someone and, and have a relationship with them over a period of time, even though you're doing um, your professional job trying to get stories, you're going to be less harsh towards that situation. All right, OK, I'm going to wrap this one up because we're, we're rabbiting on, as I knew we would. But I will say that I've taken on board everything that you said. So I'll make sure that the headline for the show tomorrow will be Mass Brawl with Journalists in Putney Station at the Chelsea Fan Club. Will that help, Sally? Give it 20 minutes. All right, OK. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we're, uh, we are going to have a quick break, actually, and we're going to be discussing Morality, Terry Gate and Clattenburg Gate. So I think there's a very fair chance, Rob. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. Good. For the latest opinions and news, check out the Football Fancast forum and blogs. Read what your fellow fans have to say and join in the banter. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Right, we are back and uh, we uh, it's been a good first part. It's actually very, very interesting. I've learned a lot so far, which is good. Uh, now, the first question we've got uh, is uh, by Chris Norman. 
And he says, uh, why do journalists feel they have the obligation to dictate the moral high ground to the rest of us, football fans in particular? Considering the ongoing inquisition in their own profession, not calling any, uh, into, into question any of the guests uh, on, on the panel, of course, but how do, they, how do they feel comfortable dishing out moral advice to the rest of us? And, I mean, obviously this is very much to do with the whole Clatterburg, Terry Gates, and even, to a certain extent, the whole kind of uh, Robbie and Roman and Benitez thing that we're going through. But what, just give you an example of what I mean. And, again, I've been careful, careful in selecting my panel because <laughs> I've not ch- chosen any of their quotes. You'll be delighted to know, but... You know, when you get people like dear old Des, but actually this is, this is you kind of answered this a minute ago, because I picked out the headline that says, I'm sorry, but Chelsea are an utter disgrace, which of course goes down really, really well with Chelsea fans. But there is a, there is a, a particular uh, paragraph that he is responsible for. What a ghastly week this has been for them. What a horrible stain they have left on the season. Putrid doesn't quite cover their behaviour. Throw in despicable, and it might. I can just feel the moral outrage coming out and punching me in the face. Patrick Collins, my old favourite. I'm uh, sorry, these are both from the mail, Neil. But, you know, boo! Have we got the first book? Can we have a boo for Patrick, please? Boo for Patrick. No, as long as they're not booing me. Like he's a, he's a pantomime like dame, Patrick. after all. It's very acceptable. Anyway, um, the emphasis on the dame. Yeah, exactly. Nothing like a dame. Anyway, he says uh, he says now Abramovich must speak out as Terry and Cole as the Terry and Cole saga rumbles on. And he went on, no longer can we condemn the ugly excesses of the Spaniards, Italians, Ukrainians and the rest when one of our showpiece clubs have behaved with such squalid duplicity. We need an explanation, a statement of intent and a public apology from the man himself. And my, uh, my last one is, uh, is Daniel Taylor. And uh, he says, uh, from The Guardian, so again I've not picked on you. Can you be quiet over there please? Thank you. Uh, Terry and Cole are an embarrassment to football, to Chelsea and to England, the club, and just as importantly, their supporters, so we're getting a kicking, which is a nice change, I suppose, uh, need to be seen to understand that clearly and react accordingly. So, you know, we've, we've been kind of getting a lot of this. Um, you know, what, what is the reason for the moral outrage? And, and, and really, you know, since when have football journalists been the arbiters of the country's morals? That's, I think what the Didn't the chairman apologise to, uh, to Anton Ferdinand and his family for putting them through the ordeal? The chairman of Chelsea He did, didn't club. he? On Talk Sport. Exactly. Two weeks later... He yeah. admitted it was wrong to put him through the ordeal. And yet they supported Terry knowing it was wrong to put Ferdinand through that ordeal. I'm sorry, but that's... Yeah, but hang on, what do you mean putting Ferdinand through that ordeal? That's, that's that's who took the case to court? Yeah, but actually, due respect, police, yeah, hang on, boys, yeah. we're going to talk about... No, 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 no. We're going to talk about this. The police did only because of ridiculous, ridiculous... Um, impl- Anton Ferdinand didn't even know what was said. In well, fact, do you know what actually Anton said to John Terry prior to that situation? I've no idea. There you go. Boys, time out because we're going to do this did, in a minute we are we, we are we are going oh, to do we Rob we are going to do the Terry and the Cole and all of that in a minute but seriously guys you know a lot of and as I said it wasn't necessarily from you guys to be fair but there was a lot of outrageous I mean that in the literal sense moral outrage coming out from the press just, just, and you just, just say well you, why yeah okay well let's, let's, it's, it's not what's the justification moral, for it moral outrage okay I, I do that sounded no, like think, it to me no, Neil. No, I, 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 I'll quote you some specific cases and you'll see what the, an ordinary person, a normal person on the Clapham omnibus would think about it. John Terry, England captain, parks in a disabled bay with his Bentley Continental. Now, is that, is that acceptable? No. It's not Other footballers have done that, though. But, yeah, Rob, yeah, yeah, but it's, and, was, were they caned in the same respect? Yeah, well, of course they are. No, they I don't yeah, think they were. And, and John Terry takes uh, <coughs> an unauthorised tour of the training ground um, with... Uh, 
someone posing to be a fake sheikh. Uh, Ten thousand pounds. He's not the first person to be done by a fake sheikh. To be fair, no, no, he's not. Um, probably won't. Probably won't be. The <laughs> last. Won't be the last. Um, but yet, yeah, the news of the world's not here anymore. So we've probably world's, lost. The we've lost the fake sheikh. Now, does John Terry, as the England and Chelsea captain, have a right to give unauthorized training ground tours for ten thousand pounds in cash, which he claims was going to go to charitable causes? Let's let's hope that money. Um, in, in used £20 notes actually did end up um, in, in, uh, in hands of the I'll tell you what. Is that actually acceptable? I behavior? don't think it is, but no, I think, I think that, the reaction and is, is. And that is why newspapers and the people who write the stories will have an opinion about it, because that is not the behaviour becoming of someone of John Terry's standing. But does Patrick Thank Collins have the right to transfer his ire against John Terry onto a whole group of football supporters who've done nothing of the sort? Why, why does one person... Have, to, he, have the right to write a piece saying. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to agree with it. Can, can you fact, imagine? Can you imagine time? anybody getting away with writing a piece like that about Liverpool Football Club and its supporters? Yeah. It would not happen. It would not be permitted. Why, why wouldn't it? Sorry, why wouldn't it be permitted? Do you, the, what do you mean what about Suarez for crying out loud? No, no, I'm talking about I'm specifically sorry. about Liverpool supporters here. Well, it, yeah, but it was because we were, we, lots of media were castigating the Liverpool supporters for their unswerving, un, unflagging yeah, support of a racist, a man who racially abused an opponent seven times. Yeah, and that wasn't in question that situation, and, and Liverpool fans were trying to compare the Suarez situation. To the, to the John Terry one, which is, which, completely which is different. a ridiculous comparison. Completely different. They're in different cases. With Patrick Collins, I am, a, I am bound to say this, I've known Patrick <laughs> a long time, but he, he, he does write from what I call a Primrose Hill ivory tower these days. And everything is this faux outrage about shock, horror, uh, and we're not, you know, uh, values in society move on, you, you know, you, and he, he still writes as if, if we're playing cricket on the green the in, in 1955. Was, and I'm surprised Neil actually used the phrase Clapham Omnibus because I'm, I'm not old enough to remember <laughs> that particular vehicle. But um, As far as I could tell, his biggest problem against Chelsea supporters was not that they uh, were supporting a racist or even someone that he believes to be a racist, but they were eating Doritos and drinking cider on a train. Now, to, as, as reasons for, for slagging off an entire group of people, it seems a really, really strange position to take. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, 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 I have to say that form of, you know, that form of uh, comment is too easy to, 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 to write. You know, you just take an issue and just say, it's terrible, something must be done, with a load of flowery words. It's, you know, for me, it, it's not getting to the heart of the issue because he hasn't made any phone calls to find out what, what really is going on. And, and I object to that kind of journalism. Uh, and there's, there's too many people doing it at the moment from, from their armchairs in in ivory towers as I say and, and, and that's not these guys here um, but there, there's a lot of guys um, on a lot of newspapers at the moment speeding out copy where they don't really go to, to football matches they don't interact with fans whether they be Chelsea or Liverpool they don't really get to the heart of the matter and they just write out you know almost very well written but cliche copy and it's a problem And but you know it, it's almost um it's almost like a, it, it fits the bill for certain newspapers and, and certain editors. I've, I've got to say, Rob, I, I think there's a huge amount of resonance in what you say there about, you know, the, and I, I've noticed this particularly in the whole issue about the, the fans, A, booing Benitez, 
uh, B, not booing Roman when we're supposed to. Yeah. And it just smacks of a lack of understanding about football culture and well, football fans. Oh, Gwian Balagay's been the worst example on yeah. Twitter. Um, but let's not go well, down he, that well, route. We been, don't have enough time. You know, that's, corrupt. that's basically corrupt because he's got a vested interest in yeah, the guy. Well, and that's why I don't want to go down and, that. And, and, well, I'm sorry <laughs> and I've gone down that No, 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 say and, it, Rob. I don't have a problem with you He is on the firm there and it's in his financial interest. To support Benitez, and I, I saw a ridiculous column last week by a good friend of mine, Matt Dickinson, saying why it was wrong yes. that the fans booed Benitez. Why, Football why? fans here have got every right. Sorry, Martin. Martin, ridiculous. Shout loudly. The chat from the Times used the word cowardly to describe the booing of Benitez. By That's all right, Rob. It's all right. Which, yeah, is, which is a shock. I mean, listen, we're not talking about vile insults towards someone. You know, if these guys pay. You know, an extraordinary amount of money out of their personal disposable income to go and watch their football club. They are entitled to register their, their, their opinion. I can't if booing is not allowed. We might let's go and watch ballet then, shall we? Yeah. I, I do yeah. think one of the issues with Benitez is that he's been he's been damned for things he didn't actually say. Fact. Fact. <laughs> he didn't say stupid. Yeah, but Martin, flags. To be t- he didn't say well, who Chelsea cares? fans. Well, that's but those are the things no, that it, have been no, thrown against him. Yeah. They are. Martin, just a second. Here's the thing: most Chelsea fans will tell you that actually, whilst we found it very unsavoury that he may or may not have said what he said. No, he didn't. No, not may or may not. No, he did say he some of these things. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He didn't. Dan, prove it. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't. No, Listen, no, he didn't. He didn't. But anyway, Martin, that's he, he not said, the point. He said the people fair. who wave flags, who are given flags, are that the, 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 they no, lack the passion. No, no, I, I just, this, 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 this goes back not just to the last few weeks. This goes back to, uh, I, I assume, the, 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 the games in the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, did he call Drogba a dry diver? And, and, yes. Who, so did you. And he's booed him off the pitch for diving. But that's how, he's ours. We can. <laughs> did he, did he say Frank Lampard was overrated? I don't think he did. Did I he? believe he did. Well, whatever. Well, no, but go on, prove it. Well, he. Benitez, I haven't got the internet in front of me, mate. Benitez, I've got to try and Benitez, 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 Benitez is fine one to talk about being overrated, isn't he? Yeah. Benitez look, has been asked whether or not he said these things, and he says he can't remember whether he said them or not. He's not specifically denied anything. Well, he, I mean, he didn't say stupid plastic flag. But do you know what, look, Martin? Do, if you want to criticise him for the pitiful, gutless yeah, well, shower of a performance on Saturday, then please but this do. Is my point. Because that was staggeringly inept, and the manager's responsible. Absolutely. And if it keeps on going, he did deserves yeah. to be and, sacked. And actually, the, what, got a what, one of the... Re- I mean, you know, this is what I'm saying. That the whole Benitez issue really is around three things. One, the love uh, that we have for Robbie Di Matteo, as a, as a, as a, who had, you know, bled Chelsea, ex-player, all that kind of stuff, winning the, the European Cup. The fact that Benitez may or may not have said it, you know... You, didn't. Can, you, I, can I give but, you but the... Now, hang on a minute, Dan. You know, look, you and I sitting here saying he did or he didn't do it is semantics. The bottom line is it's perceived... No, it's fact. It is I don't fact. care. It's fact. <laughs> it's about the perception with this. And the perception from the fans is that he did say it, and that's what hurts. But the other thing, which I think is even more important, we think he's a rubbish manager. He was on the way down at Liverpool. He ruined into Milan. He's not been in work for two years. We didn't want him here because of those reasons well, just, as well. As I said, the, the negativity is understandable. What I would say is I genuinely feel that it's self-defeating at the moment to, your, to the players you've got because, as we all know, <laughs> football, fans, football players do not need an excuse to turn their toes up. If we go back there, just one thing. You're very animated about Benitez and, and Chidge, you say we didn't want him here. Going back to the point earlier on, if there is a criticism of Abramovich, inverted commas, <clears throat> slagging him off, with close inverted commas, is the fact that he appointed Benitez. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, right, um, look, can, can, can I just to set the Dan, record straight? Whoa, 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 Dan's going to come in. Just to set the record straight, somebody has helpfully passed me what, what Benitez did say, and yep. this, this is what hangs on, on the wall <laughs> at Melwood. It says, We do not need to give away flags for our fans to wave. Our supporters are always there with their hearts, and that is all we need. It's the passion of the fans that helps to win trophies, not flags. Now, that is quite pointedly aimed fact. Fact. One club, but it was, it was about domestic consumption, wasn't it? At the yeah. same time, you know, we had Mourinho. Martin. Are you going to backtrack on that one? No, <laughs> he didn't I'll tell say, you what, Rob. He Rob, didn't Rob. say stupid plastic flags, and he didn't say Martin, Chelsea we've fans got, we've got a passion. we've got a lovely we've got boys. Wait, order. order. That, was the, that, was Rob, that was the headline. That was the headline. Rob, we've got a lovely tweet uh, from somebody <laughs> from which, um, Rash the Doctor on the chat room has said. If he didn't say it, then why did the press ask him about it in his first press interview at Chelsea? <laughs> Neil. <laughs> well, and in fact, I asked the question. You asked the question, and then you can answer. <laughs> and as you will recall... I was listening. As you will recall, I said, even though you didn't say stupid plastic <laughs> flags. I'm they sure just cut that out of the transcript. <laughs> listen Lovely back. Stuff. All right, let's move. But on. I did say, you, were cute, you did say things that have upset the Chelsea fans. Do you have any regrets? Which you is did. a legitimate question. All right, but I'm going to... Beth or Lizzie? Lizzie's Hi, nearest. Beth. Just come here and... Sh- just come round by me and then they'll be heard. Beth, hurry, hurry up, as we like to say at Chelsea. Hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> Only, Only a pound. You guys, you guys just said that we're doing damage to our club by booing Rafa Benitez. When the fact of the matter was, we booed him before the game started. And during that game, and not all of you said it... And during that game, we cheered for Ashley Cole and begged him to stay. And at the end of it, he tweeted to all of us, thank you. So don't tell me we're down to be, to be fair, I have to say, West Ham tweet. <laughs> I've just got to say, West Ham tweet, uh, fans tweeted thank you to Ashley Cole as well <laughs> at the end of the game. <laughs> Listen, to be fair, we were also booing him six months before he turned up. Yeah. No, eight months before no, he turned up. In what March, I, what so I'm saying is, the nature of football footballers is... They're all, a lot of them are cowards. And when they've got an excuse not to win, they like taking it. You see it. And you cannot tell me that there are players on the pitch on Saturday who were trying hard enough for your club, including senior players who should do a great deal better. I can better. think of one, certainly. Well, I can think of more than one. Look, you're playing with ten men every match anyhow. We know that. And by the way, when we were writing last season how poor Torres was, we were getting slaughtered for pointing out the fact that now you've suddenly seen... I mean, I'm, I'm not that, just a prophet I, I, Martin, before my lifetime. I can't you know. excuse that. Or, but there we go. I mean, but that's fans for you. And I mean, I think just to kind of go back to what we were saying a minute ago about the fact that, you know, is there a lack of understanding about... Fa- I wouldn't actually accuse any of you three of this, but is there generally a lack of understanding of fan culture? Because, you know, we have a, have a culture at Chelsea of actually backing our players. You'll hmm. know this. You've been covering us for a Absolutely. long time. You know, we don't give the bird to the players. We get behind them when they're on the pitch. And actually, we have a reputation for, you know, old players that are now playing for other clubs coming back. We were always very generous with them. So, you know, it would have been going very much against our nature to have called him for what he was the minute we saw it maybe a year ago. Um, you know, that's a bit hypocritical, but that, that's kind of no, how I, we are. No, I accept that. But, I mean, you know, the problem at the moment is I understand the frustration. I understand the anger. I understand the outrage. I just think you're giving too many of these players who are letting you down an excuse mm. to let you down. But because he, it yeah. doesn't bother but, but them. They've got the they per- don't care. Martin, at the moment... I'm, which way you look at it, the players have got the perfect excuse. They've just been, the club has just got rid of a very popular manager who, who had a, a little bit of a wonky run. Maybe he wasn't experienced enough to go forward, but he was given a contract. And now they've appointed a guy that all the players know is going at the end of the season. If not before. If not before. Yeah, so before the end of the year. So the there is no, if the, the mentality of any footballers, if you know a manager's going, if you know 100% he's going, 
your focus is not going to give mm. 100%. But, 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 so that's just down to I, bad I, management I, no, no. from the hierarchy. Absolutely. But what I'm saying from the Chelsea fans' perspective, because players are as they are, because the, hum, the human aspect of footballers, <clears> if it continues to go like this, and Abramovich is thick-skinned enough to just let it drift, you're going to be 6th, 7th, 8th. And then you're not in the Champions League yeah, next no, year. No, I know, mate. I've and been I, I'm, sports all saying I, that last All week. I'm saying is, whether or not you like him, and I understand you don't, it might... Why don't you just... Yeah, I know. There, it, there is, just I, put I, that to one I side. Get what you're you saying. get behind the I get, players. I get what you're saying about the counterproductive argument. And I'd just be interested to hear what your view is on, on what I'm about to say now as people who've covered the game. I mean, I loved your bio where it says you've been watching the game since before Sky and the Premier League were invented. For me, that counts for a lot. And the point is this. What other option do we have? I mean, I think boycotting a ground because you don't like what's going on is pathetic. Wrong. That's, that's anti-football fan, if, you're, if you see what I mean. Already paid so, season, yeah, you know, and there's the financial aspect. But actually, the emotional one is more important to me. <laughs> but the only recourse that we have, it being that we have no influence, control or power over what that club does, is to be able to vent our spleen at those that we think are responsible. And there was venting at Raymond before you said mm-hmm. there wasn't. Yeah. You know, that's all we have what, to us, What Martin. I'm going to so, say you know, is, why don't you do what you did from September 2007 to May 2008? You ignored the manager. What, Scolari? No. Oh, Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ignored the manager. You got behind the team. Well, actually... You knew he was going to go. You didn't want him. But you ignored him. I can feel what's coming on now. Martin is now angling... He's got a campaign. ...his good mate, Avron Grant, to come back (laughs) and become a caretaker. I can can smell it. Well, hang on a minute, I do think it's going to happen. I do think it's going to happen. Is he coming, Neil, or what? First of all, that, Dan, that, that wasn't my story, um, <laughs> you know, you, which is fact. Facts. Um, I thought it had your byline on it. It, it did have my byline on it, byline it with a with a colleague of mine. But um, my 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 um, what, what I wrote in that in that story had nothing to do whatsoever with Avram Grant. However, um, I do take responsibility as I work for for the Daily Mail. Now, and of course, that that story was published on on Monday morning about Avram. Now, you know. I, Avram has always been angling for a return to Chelsea. You know, everyone's known that since he was sacked just after the Champions League final in 2008. Whether there's a role for him at that club at the moment, the club categorically said yet again today, uh, just in case we didn't hear it the first time, that he will not be coming back. So I think we've, we've got the message. You think that's a no then? Seriously? I, well, as, as things stand, it's a no. But with Chelsea, such a volatile situation. Yeah. And it's a no a, today? It's a no today. You've got a manager that, you don't, that, that nobody has taken to. It's not only the fans haven't taken to him. It's the players yeah. and yeah. also the owner because yeah. he, was expe- he was expected to make an immediate impact. Mm. Draw, draw at home to Manchester mm. City, draw at home to Fulham mm. and then, of course, the defeat at West Ham. Mm. There, has been, there has been a response, but it's been a negative response by the players. And Abramovich will do whatever is necessary and whatever it takes to make sure that team finishes Who do you actually really think came up with the Benitez solution? Is, is it the, um, the technical director, Emanalo, who is a guy that I think is... Um, a man that has been at the heart of a lot of uh, bad things that have gone on at Chelsea, and he's actually escaped an awful lot of uh, scrutiny and criticism. And I, I personally think the time has come, come for him to to be looked at and analysed very closely. Um, and in fact, my information is that there was a possibility of Marino returning to the club in the summer, um, and it and it fell down because of uh, Emanalo would not be would still stay at the club, and Marino would not work with him. And Marino would come back to this football club, so far as I understand, 
if Manchester City or Manchester United doesn't happen, because he's going to leave Real Madrid at the end of the season, providing he brings all his backroom team, and that guy's gone. Yep. Mm, interesting stuff. All right, let's move on, because we're, we're, as always, nattering on, which is what we all do. It's tough when you get five people on a, behind a mic like us, I suppose, but there you go. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Um, right, I've got a lovely question by Liam Hawkes here. This is on uh, on the Clattenburg issue. Um, and he says, why was the Mark Clattenburg racism accusation treated in a different light to the John Terry one within the media? The angle of the media always appeared to say how nasty Chelsea were in daring to accuse someone of a racial slur and how it could ruin the referee's career. But yet, yeah, when JT's accusation was made after the QPR game, the media outlet and a lot of the journalists and ex-footballers were openly saying he was obviously guilty before anyone had even looked at the evidence or, had, had it, uh, or, or it had been judged. Uh, no journalist, or very few, gave the same sympathetic angle Clattenburg got to JT or even worried about how it would damage his career. Um, Dan, I'm going to point this one to your direction because you were very heavily involved in both of those issues and I know you wrote a lot about it, which was very contrary to what a lot of the other journalists were doing. First of all, on Clattenburg, I think what uh, Chelsea did was right. The way they did it was wrong. And I think the FA have been very clear on that, uh, that, that if there is an allegation of racial abuse, then it's, of course, good and proper that the club should report out. And the FA actually did uh, both accept and, and, and encourage that, because obviously the fear is that if they didn't do that, then it would, it would prevent you know, black players who felt they'd been uh, racially slurred during a game from coming forward. Absolutely, and, and there were some bizarre positions being put about in the, in the days after it that um, there should be some punishment for the people making the accusation, which puts race relations and anti-racism back 
decade. Do you think yeah. they should have apologised? I mean, I had to go and defend the club on Talk Sport, admittedly only against Andy Goldstein, so it wasn't too hard. But, you know, they did say, you know, should the club have apologised? And I said, well, I don't see why not. They haven't done anything wrong. Well, there's a reason why the club haven't apologised, and it's because Legally, I it's, it's quite awkward to be in that position. But it seems that a position has been reached where all of the parties seem reasonably happy with where things are. Um, there was a very collective feeling about that statement, wasn't there? Well, it was drafted collectively. Yeah. So, well, know. that would be why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about Terry now? Or do you want to no, no, well, let's, on? Move on to, let's move on to Terry Gate in a minute. Let's keep okay. on the old Clattenburg. I'd well, just like to hear what the boys would like to say. I'm that because um, I kind of agree with you to a point. I mean, a collective statement is an abjugation of responsibility. No one put their name to it. Um, which was probably to avoid certain legal actions. I, I, I think it was done terribly. I think it was done hastily. I think it was done with a lack of evidence. I think it could have destroyed the referee's career. I think the referee should think seriously uh, about taking legal action against Chelsea uh, and also at least two newspapers. Um, to use the evidence or alleged evidence of, a, of one or two players who barely speak English or understand it was an utter disgrace. The, 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 the person who was offended never heard it. Or what was alleged to have been said, what was really said, what happened to the matter case, which gave the thing resonance and was dropped quickly. It was brought up as a knee-jerk reaction. Yes, some of the media heard the shenanigans that were going on, a lack of direction by the, 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 the chief executive of the club, the PR department, to come out and make a statement of that magnitude about um, a, 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 of an allegation, a racist slur towards an official without... Even taking the time to consider that evidence was a disgrace. By the same token, by the same token, I felt there was a witch hunt against John Terry after he was cleared. We'll do that in a minute. After fella. he was clear, okay, we'll do that in a minute. But I am sorry, Clattenburg, the Clattenburg situation. Sorry, L- let sorry, me chaps, let me just put this. We, we, the club should have been much, much, much more responsible. All right, just, let me with. just put this one out because my old mate Des Kelly. One day I'll get on his show on a Sunday on Talksport. You, you, you just see. Uh, you've been on it, haven't you? I have been on it, yeah. It's actually quite good. I do like listening to it, to be fair. Um, obviously, Sunday Supplement's much better than this. I have to say that. But anyway, dear old Des said, uh, Chelsea have displayed... This is about, absolutely about the Clattenburg case. So Chelsea have displayed such an arrogant, pig-headed disregard for decency with their allegations against Clattenburg that someone in a position of authority deserves to lose their job. Would you agree with that, chaps? So Neil first, and I'll go around the table. Yeah, it was. It, that, that's a, that is a difficult question to answer about whether someone should actually lose their job because... Uh, Ramirez believed that he had heard yeah. Mark Clattenburg. Yeah. Um, now, whether whether or not Mark Clattenburg actually actually said that, the, 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 he did appear to report it in good faith. I know that in the dressing room afterwards, that there are a number of Chelsea players who who were not entirely convinced by what Ramirez was saying. Are we allowed to know who they are, or is that kind of a bit off the record? Well, I think that's off the record. But certainly, there was a there was a reluctance on the part of, of, of in terms of a. For every, for a collect, for the sort of collective, in that dressing room to get behind the complaint, and Mikel wasn't going to make that complaint himself, but he did say that if the club complained, that he would support it. He which would is, back it up. Which, yeah, which is what happened. For someone to lose their job uh, over over that, I mean, the, the the club's handling of, of various affairs, you could argue that people should have lost their jobs over, but to report a case to the FA, to the assessor who was at the game at the actual time. Chelsea, to their own mind, have, to the letter of the law, have followed the followed the rules of engagement, and that's what they did. So, 
Why would anyone? Why would anyone lose their job? My, my, my understanding of it, I, I think that the, the, you know the kicking that possibly deservedly the club got on this was was the way they handled it. And and my understanding of it is is that they 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 were in a very tricky position because, from what I understand, I've never been down there, but the the you know the the press room and the players room are very very close together. And my understanding is that a lot of you guys were, were aware that something was going on. And for some reason, we're also aware. I mean, you're probably overheard, I would imagine. So you were on, not you personally. I don't know if it was any of you that got. And it wasn't, it wasn't a question of overhearing. It was we at, at, around, at, about, at, about, at about seven thirty. Steve Atkins, the communication director, walk, walked in to release a statement to tell us that the steward who'd been injured in in the crush had gone to hospital. Yeah. Um, and you know had received various injuries, and you know there'd be updates later. And people were still working in that press room at the time, and that that would have been the back page story. It. it Obviously, got trumped an hour later when Steve Atkins walked in. But by then, I know that there were several journalists in that well, that's in, my, that, my in point. that room who yeah. were aware. But they they didn't hear it, but they became aware but, but of the it. Club, they con- hang on a minute. Were they contacting Steve? Because my understanding is that the club may have handled it differently if they had felt that the that the press didn't know about it. The fact that they knew about it made them act. Well, the they way didn't they have did. any. Well, because people in that room were, were starting right. to be alerted. They so they couldn't have controlled it. The club had no. The club had real option from a technical point of view until the statement was made. Sorry, but until that statement was made no newspaper could have run with that story from a legal point of view let's get technical here alright once that statement was made papers could run with abusive language that spun into to racist r- racial abuse very quickly with briefings from um, various sources possibly players agents by the next day within two days a very offensive word appeared in the broadsheet the following day it was the front page of the sun okay an unbelievable you know who I mean, it smelt fishy from from day one, I, and this is where PR departments actually um, complicate matters. The club actually would have been better saying nothing that night. I go back to 1987, right? The tunnel of hate fight, alleged fight between John Fashioner and Viv Anderson. I was there that night at Plough Lane. We knew a kerfuffle had happened. But that night, no one could really write anything beyond a kerfuffle had happened because there were no PR departments. No statements were put out. And legally, we couldn't write about anything. And it was almost a tail wag the dog that night. So much pressure was put on the club but by you know, certain newspapers or good, good reporters. But the club should have stood firm and given themselves 24 hours, 48 hours to, to rail in all the evidence. And this notion that I thought I heard someone say something in good faith. I mean, crikey... What kind of society, Orwellian society are we in? This is like 1984. I could actually say I thought I heard you say something, Martin, and go down the police station in a minute. It's absolutely ridiculous. And for me, the Clattenburg situation has really, really put um, I'm just issues of racism in football back. All right, quick response. Quick, 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 I'm just not convinced the club's got 24, 48 hours these days. In, in, Why you say in, these days? What's changed? Well, well television, Twitter, Twitter for a start. Yeah, but think of the John Terry... Think of the allegations. I understand on that, but the, legally, John Terry, the law hasn't just changed. Let him answer. But by the time John Terry had walked off the pitch at Loftus Road in, on October 2011, yeah. it, there was barely a person walking walking the earth who didn't know about the allegation. Mm. All right, look, I've got a question from the floor. We've got the lovely Lizzie here. Hi. Hi. You have to come hey. near the mic. Okay. Or me. I don't all, really mind which. Martin. I have to give him his dues because I debate with him a lot and he always answers my questions. You've got a fan here, Martin. Did you know that? Have <laughs> well, you signed a, an autograph for her yet? Fan is a very loose word. No, I'm joking. Um, out with it. We go into a debate about the Mikel situation and I kept asking you why you felt that Chelsea should be punished for reporting the allegations. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is what would you have reported if we hadn't reported the allegations? Well, as, it, as you, saw, you saw what I wrote and that was throughout, I said... If there is no substantial 
substantive nature to these allegations, then Chelsea know they run the risk of action being taken. I also wrote on a number of occasions that I felt Chelsea had no option but to push these allegations when they were made. In my opinion, yeah. in my opinion, I thought they had no option. I don't think. I think they may have handled on the night poorly, as they themselves accept. But I actually don't think they did anything from that point onwards wrongly. And you look at anything I've, I've written, and I was consistent in that article, view. Which was why it led me to ask the question. But also, as well, you kind of said about how Mikel's reaction wasn't kind. Of, it, I don't know how to say it, but the reaction to if the allegation was true didn't match however you're talking about a 24 25 year old black player in the middle of a pitch i thought if it did happen his attitude was exceptional yes but he did but, it, but game, he didn't hear it well, clearly, as we yeah. sub, as yeah. we subsequently but found out he didn't on the pitch, hear it so i he, just thought someone might have said something I mean, to him one of the points i did make was well why didn't he complain on the pitch and, I, and as i said well who can he complain to the referee's abused him who can if, he possibly complain to if the referee had abused him in the way that it was portrayed, he would have gone ballistic. Okay, yeah. and I'm telling you now, and I've been around a long time, and I've you know I, I, I saw how football evolved from the days of Clyde Best, Paul Cannonville, Paul Cannonville, who suffered racist abuse by his own fans, John Barnes, who <coughs> backhilled a banana off a pitch. You know, and I see how Ian Wright changed the face of football. And, and, and we've had Cannonville on this show many right. times. He's a great and, mate. So. Fantastically, what you know, what what a what a a, a, a torchbearer, if you like, for the way that football's changed. Does, does anybody really think that a referee would have used that derogatory term towards a player? I'd, I would have been very surprised, personally. I just cannot believe. But anyone did, did anyone ever used to think that a policeman could be corrupt? Did anyone oh. ever think that oh, well, a judge you, would take well, a bomb? Have you ever seen the Sweeney? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was Operation Countryman all about? <laughs> of course, I mean... We're the Sweeney no. and I'm late for me dinner. Did anyone ever think yes, that the, the pre- pe- pe- press might tell lies and phone hack people, you know? Yeah. I mean, well. there are, I mean it's, that's a fair point. Uh, look, just to pick up on the Mikel thing, just for, on, on Lizzie's behalf, um, he did go ballistic when he heard, when he was told mm. what had been said. Yes, but the thing was, we weren't... The, one of the big problems we had the whole issue was we never found out when this was supposed to have taken place until the end of the case and Chelsea weren't explaining when and we were looking for some timeline and and, and, and what happened to the matter case that was dropped because they decided they couldn't Why? substantiate because they decided they couldn't substantiate it so this referee is going around making a, a hmm. racist abuse towards a black player what, and a Spanish what, Spanish player. what I will say is having having spoken to the various Chelsea PR people on the night they were shaking one senior member of the Chelsea staff was shaking at what he'd been told had been said and what had gone on. And he was genuine. It wasn't fake outrage. Yeah. This was genuine, which is the point I made and reported. And on the night, we, it was reported as an allegation. Then you get different stories. Then you get the whole thing. You know, the, for the first week, I wasn't even involved because... I you were away, weren't you? I was you? away on holiday. Yeah. I was in France. I can vouch for that, people. He was not here. But, but Not what, that I was with him, I hasten to him. But... But I did say consistently that I felt that they had yeah. to further the, the allegation because it was being made by... And had they not done so, it would have been wrong. So at the they, same, they, at why the didn't same, they go to the... If it's that serious, why did Chelsea not go to the police? Because they believe, as with Terry, they should have been by the FA. Whoa, 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 one at a time. Dan. It'd be Mikel's prerogative, prerogative to do that, and presumably he decided... And, and, in a case, you have to have a victim. And Peter Herberts, don't forget. 
Oh, well, look, you're bringing into well, another equation here. Well, that guy, that guy used, just used the whole thing as a political football agenda setting, and I'm afraid um, he, he is causing more problems uh, for, for causes against racism in football than, he, than he's trying to solve. But as he's got nothing to do with Chelsea, we're and not going to give him any more oxygen of publicity. I'm just going to draw a line under this. My feeling really with the whole thing was that they were damned if they did and they were damned if they didn't. And I think it was a very difficult... I mean, it could have happened to any club and I think they would have found it equally hard. Well, well I did you think... Was, no, I think... I, I said, as I said, I think they had to progress mm. it. I do think the, the briefing they gave to me here, Bose, when the claim was, well, actually... On that night, our first thought was the Employment Act and the Race Relations Act. Was Do really me a, a favour. Yeah. Don't try and pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah. It may have been a secondary yeah. concern two days later, but do not try and claim to us that Ron Gourlay, in the heat of the moment, was, was considering the, the, the ramifications... Oh, he got a boo! ...of the Race Relations Act. No, you didn't get the boo, Martin. Oh, that's right. Hey. Is, that, is that Chelsea fan slagging off the chief executive? <laughs> 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 I mean, to be fair, Ron is known for his calm demeanour in situations of stress. <laughs> you know, you know. Does does Peter Kenyon suddenly s- s- seem like a good chief executive? Yes. Right. <laughs> you know what? I will tell you what, Rob. Seriously, there's a lot of revisionism going on about yeah. Peter Kenyon at the moment. Anyway, we must move on because uh, we're going to move on to the, uh, the the other other big scandal that we've had. And this is a question from Ross Mooring, and he says. Uh, uh, Regarding the JT case, why did the media not question the major flaws in the FA's verdict, except Dan? That would be that Dan, uh, who who it seemed was uh, fighting a solo battle. How come none in the media followed journalistic principles by questioning the validity of the verdict? Not quite sure what he means by that. Anyway, I think the media treats certain personalities differently. John Terry and Ashley Cole, for instance, uh, they were extremely uh, ill-informed and one-sided comments during the year when his case was going on, particularly the contrast with the reporting of Rio Ferdinand's racist comments uh, is striking. Um, right, who would love to take that one? Who, well, no, 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 I mean, take a step forward. Dan, 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 Dan should, should really, should shouldn't he? explain exactly what was wrong with yeah, the verdict. What was wrong with the verdict, yeah. Well, the, I Richard, think we're talking about the FA. By, can I start by talking about yeah. the court case? Yes, which, absolutely. Which I covered yeah. in full. And, I can't wait to hear this. I have to say. And I know you, you covered part of the court case, Neil, well, didn't you? You were there for all of it. Okay. When I got down there I've covered a lot of court cases I was quite surprised by a lot of the people that I saw covering it um, Correct. A, a lot of them were, were quite legitimately there people who covered court cases themselves but a lot of them were sports hacks who'd never been in a courtroom in their lives um, and I found myself on first and second day explaining to people what a magistrate was yes. explaining why there weren't some judges and a jury with him you know, explaining. Who did you explain that? Sorry, who did you explain well, that to? Well, it's not fair for me to no, name names on here. Well, it is. No, I'm not no, going. No, well, you you come on, if you, you never no, name no, your sources. If, no, no, it's not a source. If you are prepared to say that, that you're explaining... No, go, go, that, Neil, that's unfair, because you were asked a question earlier on to name what senior players... Well, you know, we're having we're having a go over this. So he's allowed. He's, a, he's allowed Whoa, the leeway to. Time, he's, he's, he's allowed the leeway. Suffice, the leeway. suffice to say, Neil wasn't one of them. Okay, um, and and also explain to people basic rules of evidence about what sorts of things were permitted Correct. in court and what weren't. Um, there were people I spoke to towards the end of the case after the magistrate had gone out, who who covering their first court case were, were absolutely adamant that this was only going to be a guilty verdict and I don't think anybody who's ever covered a court case could have possibly come to that conclusion it was very very obvious that there were reasonable doubt it was only going to go one way yes, which absolutely. is the way it went in the end absolutely it should never have gone to court in the first place it should never I've always think, said that which is precisely what Ashley Cole said bizarrely I can't believe we're all agreeing with him um, we then got on to the FA case and, and whether people agree or not that the FA should have had a look at it actually I thought it was quite right that they should have done there were all sorts of concerns about the shifting uh, 
balance of probabilities and things like that. You know, basically, they made up their own burden of proof in this case. No, they made up the burden of proof, which is agreed by all clubs, which is why it exists. FA statutes, FA rules are put in place with yeah. the express permission and exceptions. And all the clubs agree club. to that. They, they did and they came in the summer, though. I know it wasn't used. But it was. The, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It was with the permission of the club. Yeah. And the, first, the, the burden of proof that was employed, which was the old burden of proof, with the agreement of all the clubs, said basically that due um, consideration should be given to the seriousness of the case. Now, there's a large argue, argument, given that the case itself was dealt with in the court of law under the higher burden of proof, that the FA case should have been dealt with under that. So, basically, the FA did make up their own burden of proof. Well, no, but they... they, they yeah, let's get, not get into too many semantics. I'm, I'm, I'm with Dan on this. I mean, I was on the outside looking in on, on the case, which never thought should have gone to court. I, I think there was... Uh, funny enough, I believe in John Terry's version, actually, um, what, what he said. I know a lot of people didn't, but I know Anton Ferdinand was winding him up over certain things I, 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 I you know no one's actually recorded what Anton Ferdinand actually said but I think I think the key to the, the whole thing was um, the, the, the suffix you knobhead at the end of it because it has, if well, it has been recorded it has yeah, been well, recorded listen, okay what I'm saying is Dan's absolutely right I was reading certain copy by certain people during a court case and I'm thinking have you, you've never you've never covered a court case you don't know what you're talking about people are talking you know the reasonable doubt aspect to that and once that's happened I mean the FA have put themselves in a very difficult position I, I'm surprised that someone actually didn't take issue we didn't I think a lot of people wanted the, the line to be drawn on with it but for whatever reason there was a witch hunt against John John Terry now he might have done this wrong in his life and he might have done that wrong I have lots of people have but there was almost a there was a glee it was almost a, a, there was almost a lynch mentality to get him and actually ultimately John Terry right is and, and and it boils down I'm, and you know it boils down to who you know Rio Ferdinand John Terry the split the loss of the England captaincy and Wayne Bridge now join the dots and the whole thing was most unseemly fair went on for a year it damaged England uh, the England football team it's done an awful lot of damage um, to, to, to the image of Chelsea. I don't think it's done Anton Ferdinand any good. Or Rio. Uh, well, certainly not done Rio any good. And, and, and yet again, it's an incident that is blown up. All the anti-racist campaigns have been undermined by all this and been shown to be T-shirts and badges when the real, the real battles are happening on, on street corners and at younger ages in football. And it's just undermined all that. John Terry, you, you know, you, you were in court, Neil. You, you know, you said what Anton Ferdinand said. I didn't see much of that reported. The fist pump, I mean, it was the, the, the fist pumping gesture and, and uh, well, the other words Anton Ferdinand used, which was shagging Bridges' missus. Yeah, and he then apparently said, did you call me a et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was the to accusation which, To which John. there was a response back. And that was proven in a court of law that they believe that version, basically, in terms of reasonable doubt. The FA have this probability factor. It's a well, nonsense. It's making it up as go as, go as you long law. It's ridiculous. After, I have to say, the look, there's, there's an issue here. Now, when it comes to John Terry, I defy anyone to tell, tell me that I have not backed John Terry's position as the best England def- English central defender, that, he, that I've not did not back his inclusion... Uh, as uh, a member of the Euro 2012 squad, that I did not think he shouldn't have lost his job for the whole Wayne Bridge thing as captain, and I stick with that, that I backed him over the, the, quotes mutiny in 2010. All of these issues, I've been a stronger defender of John Terry as anybody in Fleet Street. 
I also think that using the racial pejorative as he did in any circumstances is a devolution of his duties as an England captain and he cannot play for England again even though it's a massive blow and hole for the England team because he's by a distance, by a street, by a country mile the best English centre-half of the last decade. And I still You say the racial pejorative. Did he use it um, in in, in a sense of... Did he use it volunteering that towards... Anton Ferdinand, or did he say in response to what Anton Ferdinand said? Well, said did, you, did, you say I, did you say I said that? Because I can see that circumstance happening, because I've seen those situations. Well, I have to say, I, I know haven't. certain, I know <laughs> how, well, I, well, there All you right, go. I've uh, seen certain people use those things let's to really, people. Let's what, reel it back what in did, for a second. What did, did bring District from Judge Riddle said? He found oh, no. the, 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 implausible. He, he found it unlikely, implausible, that um, Terry Terry had said what Terry said. Right. But because he could not prove, and rightly, because it should never have gone to court, he could not prove I'd that like, Terry's When case was the last time that district judge was, was district judge was in Peckham? Or or in or in He's you know, get, the actually, back streets There was Battersea. a really interesting case about racism again last week where he cleared a policeman of using mm. of being a racist because he couldn't how can you be certain he said it? Guys, 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 we've got some questions that have come in from the floor. We've got the lovely Francis again. Okay. Um, Make it quick. I, I, it's not no quick. Pressure. It's not quick. Try then. Um, I was one of the few people from the public who was in, who was in the public gallery who was mm-hmm. not mem- a member of the press. And I watched you press guys during that week. Two days of it, I was out of the country, but for three days I was in court. And it was a lesson. It was a lesson about how court operated, and it was a lesson about watching journalists. And the journalists that fidgeted and were on their texts, and they were in and out of court like yo-yos. And there were some journalists like Dan Levine who did not flinch from watching the court proceedings. I'm sorry you said it was brief. That's all right. I'm actually interested, Francis, so it's good. Um, And it it was a real lesson in watching people and... My whole career has been involved in watching people in one way and another. And one of the things that what judge, um, the judge said was, you, you press, and I may be wrong about this, correct me if, I wrong, if I am wrong, but you guys have quoted the judges saying it's an implausible reason what John Terry was supposed to have done. But he was actually summing up the prosecution case when he said that. And as far as I understand... No, that was his findings, not summing up the place. He, he, he then went on to say it's an implausible story, and he then went on to explain what the flaws were in that implausible story, and then said, but on the other hand, there is this story. And to my mind, what you press guys reported was the, the negative, the judge said, but you never reported the positive. You never reported... And I'm, I want it wasn't to very balanced, I think, it, is it, the... It, yeah. it, it certainly was not balanced. You never reported anything negative. I don't want to go into details, because... Um, I don't want to knock anyone, but there were lots of things in that court trial that did not come all right, out all right, and was not reported. I, mean, I was going to say, actually, one of the things that really annoyed me was I, I felt that there was a, a massive presumption, and there was it was quite selective. There seemed to be a presumption of John Terry's guilt all the way through from the minute the match ended right up to the end of the court case. Now, before, before, before you come back on that, Martin, you, do you want to make a comment? Yeah, it was just a. Can you remind me, Martin, what you were saying about a racial pejorative? Yes. Um, I, I, my, my, my view is, and, I've, and I've, it's a personal perspective, okay. I think anybody who uses a, ra- a racially charged pejorative can be called a racist. Yeah. I personally believe that anybody who uses such language has lost the right to represent their country. That's okay. just my no, no, personal view. I'm not saying that everyone has no. to agree with it. No. It's just my view. And If you could sorry, follow on the question, sorry, I just need no a problem. reminder of what yeah. you said originally. Do you, 
have the same opinion on Rio Ferdinand endorsing a racial pejorative about Ashley Colvin and Chocolates. My, my argument on that, as I've said before, is he was rightly, rightly charged, he was rightly fined, he endorsed, yeah. and that is a second degree, a degree of removal from actually... He actually laughed at it. Said, oh, I, look, I, and, I think, and also, like he hasn't played... As I said, I, I personally think there is a difference because one was an endorsement of something I can't accept and one was a statement I can't accept. And I also think that, that Rio Ferdinand also accepted the FA charge, he accepted his punishment and he paid the fine. John Terry has never accepted... That he was that he was charged. Um, why do you by, think? By why, why do you think and that is? And he has and he has never accepted um, the decision of the FA. Why do you think that is? He, that he doesn't believe in it. Why do you because think that he, is? Because he is always he is always stuck to the version of events that he gave. Well, maybe maybe to, he believes to, that to the Crown and also to the FA, which is that which is that he was responding to Anton to Anton Ferdinand saying, "Did you just call me?" Yeah, but Neil, and then that, the inappropriate phrase. Yeah, but that's well, on that. He can't now change. No, you know, it'd be a listen, huge climb down could, embarrassment and humiliation well, if, if, if he then if changes that the version was, of it. If that is the truth and he sticks to it, well, you know, if that is how it happened, why should he change his, his version of events? If and as you know what, I, I, well, if, yeah, of course, a, if that is what if that things, is what happened, but there's, there's so much know, doubt we've, we've been all, cast. We've, on. we've all, you know, in our professional capacity, you know. Had a, an interaction with John Terry. Well, must be what 12, 15, 12 years mm-hmm. or so now, and you know he he's had his ups and downs and, and, and off the field um, situations. But I mean, in this case, um, I, re- I just genuinely believed him. But <coughs> what I also think, and I know I, I've spoken to quite a few influential people from the the black community in football. From from the outset, it it was one of those things that. They didn't want it to go as far as it did anyway, and and that we we spoke earlier on about things um, coming out much quicker now, and, and and that's got to happen. It's because someone don't forget that the, the chief one of the chief pieces of evidence on that whole case was a lip reader. I mean, Anton Ferdinand never even heard the, the, the situation. Now, you know, okay. Martin talks about the, the, the racial. P- 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 um, pejorative. Pejorative. I was going to say prerogative, but I was going to get that. <laughs> um, um, That's your prerogative. We, we, it is my prerogative. We're getting into a situation now where we're getting down to so many semantics about issues of racism and 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 anti-Semitism and and and, and whatever and, and issues. That, a lot of us have been through Martin and, and me, a slightly older generation, and you know Martin's Jewish, um, and I, I I'm I'm not, but you know. We know about these situations, and um, and, uh, and black players and Asian players, but we, we're starting to pigeonhole players again now. Mm. I mean, and I find that really, really upsetting for, for for a period of the last twenty years, where English football, in ge- generally, has been a vanguard of breaking down so Absolutely. many barriers. And that is, re- I found this whole last year, and too many people went into that call and that great point that was Francis made there. I was watching some of the coverage and people were running out almost excitedly doing an update on yeah. Twitter. I can't believe the district judge allowed that to happen. There was almost there was almost, there, there was a feeling of a of a witch hunt there where there was a desperation. I mean, there were certain journalists that came from other parts <coughs> of the country to cover that. 
uh, cover that case. There was almost a willingness, and then to write something of you know they've 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 scored a victory that they've caught this racist. Whatever John Terry has done wrong, he's not a racist. All right, I okay, think, Martin, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you come in. I'm gonna, Paul's got a couple of tweets. I just sure. want to get those out of the way because they'll they'll disappear. Okay, no problem. So, <laughs> I have to get them in now, but yeah, I'll come straight back to you after that. The first one that I'm slightly paraphrasing is um, why do you think? Ashley Cole got a heavier fine for criticising the FA than Rio Ferdinand did yeah. for yeah. being convicted yeah. of endorsing a racist tweet. And do you think that's right? This is to the floor. The general, yeah. yeah. But no, no, that's right. Carry on. And the second one is why was there no one questioning um, United not taking action against Rio Ferdinand for the same thing, really? Right, Martin, I'm going to come to you first. You can talk about what you were going to talk about yeah. first and then we'll pick right. up on that if okay. you want. First of all, as I said from the outset, and I consistently said, and I think it was, it was entirely wrong from minute one that the police got involved in John Turvey's case. It should only have been dealt with by the footballing authorities. Had it been done so, it would have been all finished yeah. by the end of December. But what I would say is that if John Terry was so adamant, and, look, and I personally, let's not be ten otherwise, I really genuinely like John Terry. I've always got on with him really well. He, as Dan would attest, John and I speak quite yeah, happily absolutely. and candidly. And, but if John Terry was so convinced that he was telling the truth, <clears throat> and I'm sure he does believe he was telling the truth, why did he not give any evidence at the FA hearing? Probably he did because not he thought there was much point. Bec- the only evidence, the only case from John Terry's legal team at the FA hearing was questioning the validity of the process rather than arguing against any of the evidence. All the evidence was accepted, and whether you like it or not, it was accepted. Dan, come back, come back on that. Why, why do you think he didn't well, was it a defence? Rule 618, is that the right one? Have I got my numbers right? That says six, that, six, it's something like that. It's the one, the one that I quoted in my article exactly, before yeah. the case, the one which, that which I says said, the, suggested it could be thrown out. The fact, the fact Because I'm so biased against John Terry. It said that the facts of a previous tribunal and a higher court should be taken as, as read. Unless, but unfortunately it does say, unless there is new extra evidence. And the fact of the admissions by Terry were cited by the prosecution as as the extra evidence and they were accepted by a legal panel now let's put this out a, a panel whose whose composition makeup and jurisdiction was accepted by Chelsea Football Club and John Terry John Terry's was, was and his lawyers were responsible for Stuart Ripley being on that panel because they vetoed the other panel. Who's a qualified uh, solicitor, I believe, yes, anyway. Yes, Sorry, Rob, 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 we need what, what, to just pick up on the, the, the Twitter questions, which uh, were basically, you know, why didn't Man United take action against Rio for the chalk ice comment? And what about, was um, the Cole? Why, why was it? Why was the FA fine for Cole bigger than it was for Ferdinand and yeah, I mean just some views on that Neil Neil what do you, yeah, what do you think I, I mean the, the, maybe perhaps club policy with Rio Ferdinand no, mm. I, don't, I don't know the answer to that mm. um, and we don't know yeah, if they perhaps. weren't if he wasn't fine, to be honest, we don't know. Because they might have just kept it behind they closed do, doors. They're, they're they not, do tend to. They don't do they? keep everything behind closed doors. I mean, here's doors. a quite quick. Just fly this in because this has come out on Twitter as well. But do you? Th- I mean, it's not really related to this at all per se. But do you think Ferguson standing in the game means that he gets a bit of an easier ride from the press and the FA? Yeah. Just, well, just generally, because he bans you if you don't give him a good ride. Well, that's that's true. Okay, right. Hands around the panel, uh, table. Well, panel. it's an interesting. Hang on. How many of the panel have been banned from uh, the Man United uh, press conferences? Yeah, I've, I've been banned. Yeah, Neil, I've, Martin. At one point, yes, I've been Rob. 
No, I was actually. No, I was actually once. I've had money on you. I was once congratulated by Sir, uh, Alex, as he was then before he was Sir Alex, and Sir Bobby Cholton, um, and the first uh, Welcome to Hell game uh, really? for taking issue with the uh, Turkish journalists over. Uh, so there we go. Rob Shepherd, friend of Sir Alex Ferguson. Well, I wouldn't say friend, but uh, <laughs> no, um, no, I wouldn't say friend. But uh, I think I think there's an interesting point you make there. Is uh, in that um, when the FA were recruiting certain England managers. Um, they did go and seek counsel from Alex Ferguson. Um, so perhaps he does have a little bit more of, a, of an influence. Um, I mean, he's certainly a, a very powerful force and, and, and indeed referees and possibly, um, you know, I was there for the the game when Steve Bruce scored the two goals, the, the, the famous so Fergie time. I mean, that is part and parcel of when you've been a manager for a long time, the psychology. I mean, Marino, Marino did it as Chelsea manager. Where, where his, his force of personality yeah. uh, perhaps pushed uh, the FA and, and officials in, in, into corners. What worries me is that we spent the last 15, 20 minutes talking about district judges, Rule 16A, protocols, uh, courts, high courts, uh, um, and, and the way football's going. We won't just have fifth or sixth officials on the line, we'll have lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think that's the direction I want to see football going because if it goes that way it really isn't the game we, we all pay to go and watch all right. can can I, Dan I'm just, just going to let you summarise this okay. and then we'll, we'll, we've got to move on because we've got other questions well, if I can just make one more point about the, yeah. some of the coverage of the Terry case and going back to what I was saying about some of the ignorance that came out of it and some of the ignorance in reporting it the day after the verdict came out there were two people who were quoted uh, in the national media one of them was quoted as an expert someone who covered the entire case who was telling the nation that John Terry had not been found innocent, merely not guilty, oh, and that there was some what, difference. What, what clown was that? Well, again, I don't like naming names. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but I was just what astounded. Clown was that? After the show, Martin, promise. <laughs> so there we go. All right, okay. I mean, we could sit I think here. That's a great point, Dan. There was some stuff that was astonishing. Yeah, astonishing. It was a bit. I mean, so, we, 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 main, mainly in broadsheets, I have to all say. All right, okay. We could talk. We could probably have a whole show about this issue. Yeah. I, I am very aware of that, but we do have to move on. Um, now, after the break, we will have the final part of the show, and we're going to be discussing. The, it's probably the, the, the mood will lighten a bit, I promise, but we'll be discussing press relations with the club and the fans, the impact of social media, and uh, should we, in fact, care about what the press says. We'll see you in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, uh, we are back, unless anybody needs a gypsies, as uh, Cheltel would say. I'm sure we're all right for half an hour. So, uh, um, these are kind of, there's a couple of actually that have come in from a couple of the guys, but a lot of the others are the, the kind of things that I've been thinking about with a lot of other people. Sorry, Rob. We are on air at the moment, Rob. We are live and direct from Putney Station, but you do do relieve yourself if you have to. No. Uh, but only if you go to the loo, obviously. No, that's right. Uh, My name's not... Uh, well, I won't no, don't, don't, don't name names. <laughs> don't name names. Now, right, questions. Uh, kind of the same I won't thing. tell you what happened when Dennis Wise and, I, and Paul Gascoigne went to uh, Flicks in Dartford in 89. You will do after the show. I will do after the show. <laughs> right. Uh, Gary Wilson. Gary, which is at G Wilson CFC, uh, says, Good day, Chidge. Uh, how can Chelsea FC improve its profile within the media in comparison to, say, the more media-friendly outfits such as Arsenal and Spurs, Man United and Liverpool ETC? What can Chelsea do to improve it? I thank you. And Steve Byrne, who's a great mate of ours on the show, says, what do we have to do to be liked by the English press? So who would like to take that, up that one first? What can we do to improve well, you know, I, 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 I would feel that when, when, when Steve Atkins 
took over as the head of communications at Chelsea. Martin probably remember the year, but what, from Gold from <laughs> Greenberg. Yeah, he Simon, replaced Simon, Simon Greenberg. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I can remember Simon talking about you know three quarters of the world is blue. We're going to paint the rest of the world blue. All, all those kind of comments that were. It's kind know, of like arrogant. Peter Kenyon's mini me. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, incredibly abrasive and at times obnoxious character. <laughs> and Steve Atkins did a lot, I felt, to to repair the damage. Certainly in his first couple of years um, as the communications director and was was very very helpful to to the media and tried to change the image of the club I think it's sad that uh, over the past year certainly putting aside the number of managerial changes that have been made and some of the um, unpopular decisions that have been made over those managers that some of the events have just taken taken out of Steve Atkins' hands and his, that, it, that it is a c- continual firefighting exercise for him now and, and that is the future for that for that role as the communications director in, in the short, medium and long term it's not about it's not about to change over, overnight because of the perception of the club and, and the way that at times they behave over, over certain high profile incidents I mean in my experience Steve Atkins and Steve Atkins has overall done a good job just like Neil said I mean ironically uh, Mr Green Simon Greenberg who came from directly from a, a journalistic background became more antagonistic and uh, uh, acerbic and, and, and harder to deal with than, than anybody perhaps that uh, I, I could have ever experienced in in that sort of role um, but it's, it is a difficult job I mean it, it's, it, situations happen I mean I'm not sure how, how he feels about the recent thing with, with, with Clattenburg I suspect if he'd, given, he'd been allowed to have the, his head he, he might have advised the club to Put the foot on the ball for a little bit longer, but we, we, we've spoken about uh, about that. How do you improve the image? Well, the the problem is it's all about image, and a, lo- a lot of it's PR machine, and they want to promote a particular image. Um, and ultimately, what happens on the pitch, and unfortunately, sometimes off the pitch, can't can't be um, manipulated as 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 much as people want. It's it's how you react to the situation. Bef- before I bring Martin, I'm going to read you this quote. Now, uh, Henry, I've worked with in the same kind of capacity that I have with with you, Neil, and Rob. Um, obviously, far more intellectual programs, unfortunately, because that, that you know. But no, I'm joking. Henry but, who? Winter. Oh, I see. Lord Henry. But um, I think it's about Henry Kissinger. Perhaps that's who Chelsea. Should actually, it's Henry, Henry Cooper. But that's another story. But uh, Henry said this at the height of the the madness that was going on. And I was quite surprised by this, knowing both Henry and Steve Atkins. And Henry said, Chelsea's usually amiable director of communications, Steve Atkins, has taken to lecturing certain correspondents. This one included on the tenor and content of their columns. Uh, Martin. When, when you've got your beer order in, which is perfectly acceptable on this show. No other, no other shows would be that would show you that latitude when it comes to beer. Yes. But, I mean, you know, I know Steve, you know Steve. You know, he's a good guy. Um, and I know Henry too. Is that a fair comment or what? Some people are a little bit too precious, aren't they? I think. Some people in journalism are a little okay. bit too precious. All right, fair enough. If a PR person, if people ring me up and give me a bollocking, that's part of the job. Yeah, yeah. you don't write about it. I don't it. write about it. Yeah. I just accept I it. I felt that was very underhand, I, I have to I say. believe in standing my ground, and sometimes when I'm in the wrong, and it, I'm not because nobody is always in the right, Correct. I'm willing to concede that I'm in the wrong. Mm. I don't ever take it as a personal issue yeah. unless it's a pattern of behaviour which makes it a personal <laughs> issue but I've never had that because I believe that I work in a consen- conscientious diligent proper manner All right. and that everything I write is because I believe it everything I write 
is is founded on on either opinion or fact for whichever the the, 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 the tone of the piece is. How do you think the club uh, can improve things PR wise? I mean, because Steve, I mean, well, I, at the start of the season, you know, Steve's a good guy. At the I, start I of the that. season, the football was was doing the talking, and you cannot tell me there was negativity about the way you were pl- about about Chelsea for those two. No, months. I, I would agree with that, and it, and that's because. For a while, we didn't have an off-field issue. The trouble is that even when things have been going well in the past, we've had, just off the top of my head, Ashley Cole shooting a trainee. <laughs> what other club Mate, would that happen What at? would I give for Torres to be able to hear? <laughs> you know, we've had smoke bombs being set off in the youth team block and a player being booted out of the club. We've had... All, all broken by Neil, I hate to do it, I think. He's doing my PR. Live, live from his dustbin at Cobb. I would say, I would say, on, I would say on that front, I would say on that front, show us in the, in the audience, please. I would you. say on that front that such incidents are not unique to Chelsea, and, you know, um, I remember. I can't remember the last player I played shot. You know, well, <laughs> I remember a very high-profile player going down to see Vinnie Jones with a shotgun many years ago. But we, we, we'll talk about that later. Um, and fair, fair play to Neil for you know for for bringing those stories t- to light. But a lot of stuff goes on at a football, at every football club, week in, week out. Chelsea. The, 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 the thing is, you've got to accept the bigger club you are. The more scrutiny, the, the, the more scrutiny, and you, you know we you, are can't, news, you can't you can't have one without the other. If you if you're going to be at the top of the table and you're going to be winning, you know, Champions League trophies, FA Cup titles, you're going to get big coverage. Mm. And suddenly, I mean, in the 1990 World Cup, Gary, the state of Gary Lineker's toe became a back page lead before every game. Will Gary play? Well, is his, is his Be- toe Beckham's Beckham's to met a tassel in two thousand and two. You know, if, <laughs> if you're Gillingham and there's a punch up on a training ground, <laughs> it, 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 it it's not going to you know it's really not ain't, it's not no. it's not going to be news. If it's a punch up on the Chelsea training ground, it's news. All right, Dan. That's um, the way Dan, it is. I'd like if you don't like being the big fun fair, or you know, if you don't want, you don't go on the, a roller coaster ride. You know, go down the local park and feed the ducks. I think just also in it, those training ground stories about the. Uh, the smoke bombs say or, or Ashley Cole was, those stories came to light because the parents of the youth team players who had been persuaded to join Chelsea that all of a sudden they were petrified about their sons being at Chelsea's training ground and the behaviour of the the behaviour of the players that that sort of thing could happen have they actually made the right choice or not by were those parents still their, petrified about some of the financial I suppose arrangements don't suppose they're too worried about the salaries that, right. that their children are being paid Rob no right Dan uh, final comment on this what do you think what can we do to improve the uh, the PR and the, the relationship between well, the, the press I and think, the club I think as has been said that the relationships between Chelsea and the press definitely improved a lot when, when Mr Greenberg left um, I remember him phoning up in the middle of my Christmas lunch to call me a part of the female anatomy once which you know is a little bit beyond did he call you a fanny it was something like that okay um, which was a little bit beyond people phoning up Henry and trying to persuade him to write different things yeah. in his comment pieces but then I've, you know, I've been a PR man as well and I know that if you make those sorts PR men sometimes have to make those sorts of calls that they don't want to make because somebody who pays their wages is leaning on them yeah. to do things that they probably don't want to do 
Um, what do, what can Chelsea do? Well, you know, it's a very dysfunctional organisation at the moment, as I think the fans yeah, have found out of late. Absolutely. And maybe if they can curb some of that. I mean, for, for, for what it's worth, my, my take on it is that, uh, yeah, you know, like you've all said, you know, it's pretty dysfunctional and um, it's more it's more a crisis management role than a PR role at the moment. I, I know Steve and I, I think, and I, and I, you know, I've been in the business a long time and I think he's an excellent bloke. He's a nice bloke and a good, very good PR guy. Uh, my feeling is, is that, he doesn't have enough control there you know he can try and manage the PR situation but if the people above him act like idiots then what can he do also unfortunately some footballers are just arseholes <laughs> they just yeah. are well as, as, as in all, all and that's at all clubs as well yeah. and the problem is what, when something happens even at Coventry when, when Liam Ridgewell wipes his backside on a £20 note, it's a one-day story because he plays for West Brom. Yeah. I'm sorry, it just yeah. is. We are news. If you play for Chelsea, you're held to a higher account. Right. It might not be fair, but it's just the way it is. All right, let's move it's on. It's just the way it is. Let's move on. We've got the next bit here, which is really the, the impact of social media. And as I want to try and wrap this up within the next 10, 15 minutes or so, I'm going to try and rattle through these. But, um, um, you know, we're all on Twitter Massively, and I have to say, actually, at this juncture, uh, the good thing about all four of you, but particularly Neil and, and, and Martin, who are kind of a, a little bit more on the limelight, is the fact that the amount of time and patience you show when you do engage with fans on Twitter, very few of the real high-profile journalists do. So actually, yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and good for you. And it's kind of a recognition that it's actually becoming a very important communication tool between the journalists and the fans. And I, for one, embrace it. You know, Martin's here as a result of that tonight, frankly. Um, but you know how how do you think it's it's going to change the way that football and football stories are reported? Do you think it's going to? I mean, it's, it's, well, it's already changed. It, it's already changed it? it massively. I mean, I think that um, to to a large degree, uh, a lot of younger guys that are coming through don't really have to even know <clears throat> any players or, or um, managers or anybody. A lot of the quotes that you know that some of these guys might still get with some of the protagonists, but a lot of the other stuff is just coming directly from Twitter. Um, and, you know, you know, it, it, it's useful. I mean, it's it's dangerous down the line if if you look at it because um, all it really is is what someone wants to say. Mm. Um, uh, where that leads to, um, I mean, I often, you know, it's a fascinating tool. Twitter, it's so good in so many ways. Um, in other ways, I, th- I find it very dangerous. I mean, can you? I always think this that. You know, what, what if Himmler had had Twitter in 1936? That's a frightening prospect, actually. <laughs> I'm, Maybe I'm a not conversation for another day. <laughs> what, what I think is very That's interesting. The whole, whole film, let alone what, the show. What, what I do know is that there is uh, active consideration among all the clubs <clears throat> for there to be a screen that all Twitter accounts by club players have to go through a secondary process before they're cleared to go that's out. That's almost anti-free that, speech, I know, but that's it, all it, Because they're all so scared they're also of, employees, the, though, of the ramifications of, of what, what's Sorry. going on. Harry and so, PR Sorry, Tim, speak up, fella. Harry Redknapp is apparently employing a PR person to do his tweeting for him. Well, that's because he's not very good at uh, but, you know, fingers but that, and thumbs. But I'm saying that there's, like there is likely to be employed by all 20 Premier League clubs within the next yeah. year. I can see that happening. One company and any tweet that a player makes 
has to go through sort of a clearing yeah. system before it's approved to go out. But now, you and I might think that's ridiculous. I know, I can but actually because, because the clubs are scared of the legal ramifications yeah. of what their players I, I are can, saying. I can actually understand and sympathise with that, oddly, Martin. I'm going to ask this one to, to Neil just to move it on because we, we do really need to wrap up fairly soon. Um, do you think the, uh, the, the way that social media is working now, particularly the way that you guys are involved, does, does this mean that kind of traditional newsprint is actually under threat? Because, I mean, a lot of stuff's coming out on Twitter and, you know, like, like, we, like when we do a show here, the first thing I do is I post it on Twitter, Facebook, the link back into the website. So there's this whole kind of holy trinity between online media, social media and newsprint. But do you think newsprint, traditional, good old-fashioned, you know, newspaper journalism is under threat because of this? Well, I'm not sure about the journalists, but, so, I mean, new, newspapers' circulation has been in decline since yeah. the 50s. You know, that, 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 that's a fact, the statistics. It's a fact, not that the 50s. Fact, yeah. The it's, 50s, yeah. No, since, no, yeah, it's, it's not. It's, the it's, 70s. No, it's not. Since Rob, I looked it up last night. So I can assure you the newspapers well, have been in circulation. Not, we're not sure we'll agree to disagree you on don't that need one, to, Rob. I, I looked just the statistics up last night, okay? Oh, right. And they've been in decline since since the 1950s. Perhaps, as Rob said, perhaps since the 1970s, it's been in sharper and steeper decline. Okay, so I, I probably accept that point. What we have to do is convince... I mean, okay, there is there are still millions of people out there who are very traditional, who still want to pick up their newspaper every morning. Um, and I think that includes our, ourselves, Martin, myself, Rob, hopefully Dan as well, that we still pick up our newspapers. What we have to, what we have to do is convince the wider public that if they don't read our newspaper that they read us online and our and the way to convince them to read us online is via social media via twitter in 140 characters as we do at the, at the moment at the daily mail we we have been given no choice there is there is no choice for a journalist like myself but to accept that sometimes some stories have to be used online we mm. we, we had that yesterday with uh, bobby campbell it was an, it was just accepted that mm. this is this is immediate we want to use it online, and we're going to use it online. And the way to do it online is to tease is to tease people. Sorry, say that again. You said it wasn't even a story. Well, why, sorry, why, why wasn't it a story? Sorry. Um, because everyone knew what you put down there. Well, not everyone knew, did they, to be yeah, fair? No, they Move on. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to pick it up with Dan, because there's a question. That but, I, but just to finish off, is that sorry, Twitter Neil, is a sorry, convenient tool to, uh, to, to use as a tease into read this either online, whether it's relevant or not. Um, online or in tomorrow's newspaper so yeah. Twitter is a, do you know what one of the things one of the things I don't actually read in a newspaper really much at all anymore but what I have found weirdly is that my reading of newspapers has increased because I because I'm getting so much of my news feed from Twitter now and people link to an article that's appearing in a newspaper and I read it there so actually uh the need for newspapers, if you like, will never go because we all need news and we all well, need opinions. But it actually, takes, it's it less likely to be paper. Yeah. I thought the biggest problem is the biggest problem is a great point you make there: the, 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 the decline in circulations and in, indeed the decline in staff on newspapers and the contraction of that. Um, it makes it harder and harder for newspapers to uh, to do what you might call the heavy lifting of breaking stories that then go onto Twitter or onto websites that people then see for free. Now, if you take that to a logical conclusion, and less and less people are working on newspapers with expenses to go abroad or, 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 or dig out stories, those stories aren't going to exist eventually. Mm. And, and the, notion, the problem is so many people are so used to getting their stuff for free, but you can't get great news stories, and, and, and I'm just going to go beyond football, you can't get stuff what's happening in Syria now or you know, wherever in the world without actually paying someone to do it. Mm. And, and, and in fact, it's a very frightening situation where we've got this, we're in this kind of vacuum at the moment where we've kind of got 
almost an ideal balance where we've still got um, paid for media where you get stuff, the heavy lifting, if you want to put it that way, which does the features, gets the stories, and it also goes out online for free. Fast forward 20 years, and governments control Twitter, football clubs control Twitter. Where where does the actual story well, come Well, this from? is a good point, because I'm going to bring in the next question for Dan. I daren't ask it of any of you three. Um, but it's, you know, do you think that... Uh, I mean, actually, not alone in the future, but now. Do you think fans will start taking more notice of their own media available? I, you know, start at the club, which I doubt because it's Pravda. Uh, but podcasts like this one, fanzines that we write, you know, sh- there are, I mean, there must be, hu- well, there are hundreds of Chelsea blog websites. Do you think, you know, in terms, purely in terms of football and following football uh, reportage, if you like, do you think the fans will move more towards that and not bother what these guys are saying? Now you know why I couldn't ask you that. Well, I, think, I think it's already happening, isn't it? You think because, it's already happening? You know, yeah, definitely. Um, as you yourself say... You get I couldn't possibly your, comment, Dan. Your, your, but go on. You get a lot of your, your news from the blogosphere, yeah, for, for want of a, a really poncy word. Um, but, but there or the Twitterverse. Reasons, or the Twitterverse. There's also lots of reasons for that, because you, know, you get a sanitised version of reality... From the media, I'm I'm even old enough to have written stories when I was very very young, and, and you phone up a, for a quote from the MOD, and then a man calls you back and says, "I say, old chap, there's a D notice on that, and you're not allowed to print anything." Mm. That doesn't happen anymore because mm. you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Mm. Now we've got Twitter, and as as we found, this is sort of good and bad. Like, like there's a few D notices still out there. Well, yeah, it's quite a lot, maybe, yes, but they certainly know, are. But but the. As, as we found with things like super injunctions with footballers, it gets out there very, very quickly. The, the other side of that is, of course, that you get things like the um, the rape, the, the Ched Evans rape victim, who disgustingly yeah. was named on Twitter. Yeah. So yeah. the problem is that, that you know the, the parameters have been thrown wide open, and that's why people go to these places because they. Are get you talk about sanitised version, you know. A Chelsea program. How much is it now? I, I, I don't three know. Quid. Three, three quid. quid, quid. Yeah. Mind you, the fanzine's only a pound. Hurry up. Well, buy the fanzine and get a team sheet or whatever. I mean, three pound of sanitised um, nonsense. Really. Just, just, just to wrap this up on social media, you guys. Um, you know, do you uh, do you actually? You know, what do you actually think of engaging with the fans on social media? Oh, I'd never do it. Oh, come on. <laughs> Neil, Neil. Um, I don't take a great deal of pleasure looking at my timeline first thing in the morning. Because you get a lot of abuse, let's be fair. To, to the, yeah, to the abuse. Um, yeah. You know, it's not, it's not particularly pleasant, is it? No. You know, so half seven, eight o'clock in the morning to, to wake up to it. Um, and, you know, generally throughout the course of the day, if you start to apply, then, then, then people's attitudes do change. But I don't... I don't really know why I should be trying to convince people that their attitude shouldn't address me like that in the first place. But I am actually happy. Criticism. If I've got the time, Criticism. if I've got the time during the day, then I will always try to respond to people if they've got a specific question or if they've got a Criticism is one thing, but I can't understand the level of abuse that the people do. Keyboard warriors, because they don't know you. They can't. They'll never it, meet you. It's, it's easy. What it's, right it, do you have that, to do it? We talked about because they can. The booing of Benitez is not cowardly, but you know, using Twitter and putting vile abuse, indecent abuse towards someone—I don't mind being criticised at all. Um, I don't even mind someone saying I've got a big chin. Um, but if it goes beyond, you know, some of the vile stuff that I've seen, not. Who here's get, had a, a death threat? Who here's had a death threat oh, yeah. on Twitter? Oh, a death threat yeah. makes Everyone me laugh. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I've, had, I've had better than that. I mean, you know, uh, Pete Sampson, who runs the uh, CFC Net. Uh, website, which is the biggest Chelsea website, said to me, Chidge, 
You know, I had a few letters, funnily enough, from Liverpool fans. I've had several death threats from Liverpool fans. He said, oh, mate, don't worry. He said, you're not a proper Chelsea writer unless you've had a few death threats from Scousers. So there you go. It even happens to us, you know, yeah. not, you know let alone you guys. You have 40,000, 50,000 on Twitter. Funny that Liverpool fans, after all the... Um you know, the, the, the work that a lot of the media have done with regard to the, the Hillsborough uh, situation, then they want to go around um, sending out death threats to people over oh, stuff. I no. don't quite understand. It's bonkers, isn't it? Um, right, what okay. I would, what I would Martin, say is, final point on this. Every fan of every club is convinced the media hates their club. We no. can't hate everyone. It isn't possible. Oh, I don't know. I always used to believe in the... No, I always used to believe in the diktat. I always used to believe in the diktat that I'm very, very fair. I treat everybody with equal Listen, contempt. Listen, Martin's absolutely right because a lot of West Ham fans think I hate West Ham and think I'm a Chelsea fan. Well, that's true, actually. I, I saw the tweet. It was, he retweeted it. It was hilarious. And a scouser tweeted you saying you're a Chelsea fan. Oh, no. I'm, a che- I'm apparently a Chelsea fan because I cover them. Oh, well, of course. Right, moving on. We're on the home straight. Um, here's I was a good- Benetti in the playground. Were you? Yay! Weren't we what, all? What happened? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> Good well, Uwe Saylor scored the winner. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, next question. Settle down. We're nearly there. Right. Um, should we really care what the press say? I mean, here, here's a thought. Actually, picking up on what you just said, Martin, really, but are we just being a bit, you know, too sensitive to a lot of the negative press we, we really get? And ultimately, should we really care what you have to say? What yes. do you think about that, Martin? No. 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 Yes. We shouldn't care what you say. Because it's all about opinions. All right, opinions. keep it down, you lot. But I also think that, you know, we are there as a, as a conduit of information. We are there also as, as to give opinions. We are there to give, to give soundings and issues and give vent to, to a variety of, of aspects of, of the game. I defy anyone to tell me I've ever written a piece that's biased against any club. I haven't. I just write what I believe, what I see. When I was writing... Uh, last season, Fernando Torres was blaming the media for writing that he got. He blamed got, everybody else. That he's so gone what? 25 goals <laughs> games without a goal, and I was pointing out that if you hadn't gone 25 games without a bloody goal, we couldn't have written you gone 25 games without a goal. Yeah, it's point. the nonsense like that. You yeah. you hate us. The reality <laughs> is, the media just reflects what it, the, people write what they see. Mm. Some people, there yeah. is no doubt, certain people. I'm not going to name name names. But there are certain people who have an animus towards certain players of different clubs. Well, I'm not one of those. I'm just not. I have to put my hand up. There was a little period where I did have an issue with Martin Keogh. No, really? <laughs> I can't think why. Right? Which is probably why he wrestled me to the ground. <laughs> anyway, we're going off point. Neil, um, should we care what the press write and are we being too sensitive? Well, of course you're sensitive because it's the team that you, know, that you love, that you support, that you go to watch, whether it's at Stamford Bridge, away games, that... Yeah, you know, this is this is it, it all, it's almost like your family, isn't it? That's yeah. how Crystal Palace is an extension of my family. That's how, that's. I prefer that's the word feels. tribe because yeah. family sounds a bit. But you know, that's, QPR. But, that's, but that's how it feels, though, doesn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah. And when, and when someone insults a man, what you when you write you, when you attack one, you attack them all. Yeah, when you, when you see something you believe in, in oh. insults your football team, then of course you get angry. But I, I, I don't think anything is is written with a, a you know, with a sort of kind of d- deliberately, you know, pointed or, or with a particular bias against a football team or a football club but you have to accept that journalists will have their own opinions they're entitled to them hopefully hopefully those opinions are formed by making a sound judgment and by talking to people within the game which is which is what our job essentially is is to make those phone calls and Should i don't be, yeah, i don't sure. i don't you don't have to agree with anything that i say but provided provided i've got an opinion which i can 
legislate for which I can back up then you have to respect it but I'm not asking you to agree with it in any, in any way okay right Dan what do, you, what do you reckon should we should we really be I mean are we sensitive too sensitive and should we really take it all seriously I think what they the, say? the media the media has changed an awful lot in recent years and part of it a smaller part of it is news giving and a bigger part of it is entertainment than it used to be and I think people need to realise that the stuff that's entertainment is always at someone's expense mm-hmm. I mean I've, to be fair I've had a lot of experience that myself on the, on the TV side where it, it's less about the, the, you know, the content in terms of how well thought through it is it's more I mean look Rob and, and Neil were on a show of mine that had that written all over it and we had some I nearly said something very rude then we had some idiot executive producer who came in onto the set and told them to shout at each other more because it wasn't entertaining enough do you remember that? yeah you know so that's just how it can be a lot of bollocks basically so that's a fair point Rob final point on this for you uh, you know are we being too sensitive as Chelsea fans and should and, you know should we really care what the press say about us? Um, you are being too sensitive one hopes I'm a very sensitive man I'm a um, renaissance but man but you know, Martin's right you know if, by the nature of what a football supporter is, there is an element of massive. What well, it is tribalism, and, and you, you're going to you're going to defend it, and you're going to be blinkered in many ways. And but that's that's not unusual to Chelsea. I would hope fans still care what's written or, or, or broadcast because that keeps you know um, people buying newspapers or, or listening to, listening to shows. And also, you've got to understand that it, it does make me laugh when you get criticised about saying. I don't know, Di Matteo is under pressure and could go next week uh, or within two days and people, oh, they hate us, they're having a go at us. It's based on information. Mm. You know, the mail, and, and I think the mirror, certainly I was abroad at the time when it happened, but I was quite astonished. But they're not writing it for the fun of it. It's, it's just because what's They're happening... They're not writing it to wind us up. No, it's well, just because when, it's, it's, when I it's wrote, what's happening. When I know? vote Di Matteo's job, is putting a job on the line by leaving out Torres tonight... He'd already written that Benitez was coming. You know, we we were, well, we were, you know, so we all we were right on the basis that we could see what was what was what yeah, you meant. What you mean, you know, in those situations where the guys are getting information, it's not anti-Chelsea. Though it might be seen to the supporters. It's, it's what's going on, and the fact is, you're not going to get that. Funny enough, I worked on Bridge News all those years ago, but you're not going to get it from, you know, uh, the club's internet site. You, you know. Oh, they're not. Oh, let's go on to Chelsea.com or whatever it is. Oh, they're saying Dematio's um, yeah, looking that. forward to tonight's game. It's not going to happen. So the role of the newspapers is still out there to break break Just news. Just remind me what you said that night that when you. Uh, I knew he, he's taken him two I had, hours. I had but a question from right at the start of the show that was going to be about this. Remind I was me, Pablo. Go on. It was, uh, I can't find it. Now. Ah, do you mean I have to embarrass myself? No, it was. It was from. Um, Bibbity Bobbity Hat. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly a made up um, name. Clearly a who, made up who, person. Who was asking if you went through with the, the thing that you said. No, we haven't. To Neil. I will remind those that have forgotten <laughs> and for those on the panel who don't or aren't aware of this. But uh, when Neil uh, tweeted that it was a cert that Benitez was going to become the Chelsea manager. And I think this was on the Monday before the Wednesday, wasn't it, Neil? I don't think it was the Monday. No, it was the Tuesday. Tuesday. It was, it was yeah. a good day before, that's for sure. And I and I, I I like Neil, and I would, would never abuse him because he's a mate. But I did say something You've like. You've abused me in the past. <laughs> well, <laughs> not as much. Okay, but to we be don't, fair, this could oh, be taking a very very strange line. But now. to be fair, Neil, I, I haven't abused you half as much as I've abused a lot of other people. So, uh, but uh, I think I said something like, "What a load of bollocks or nonsense!" Pray for Neil. <laughs> and then I tweeted, "If this is true, I will buy a season ticket to Crystal Palace." Yeah. 
And then when he called me out on it, because it bloody well proved right. I mean, I can't believe that it, it did turn out true. I said, well, actually, I can't afford a season ticket at uh, Crystal Palace, so you have to think of another palace well, related. Well, you can. They're only it. about four hundred. Exactly. <laughs> I can't even afford that, mate. But uh, I think price season tickets on sale. I think Neil Neil should think of a, a palace related forfeit for me to do, and I think that would be a purely honourable and a good gesture for me to to carry it out. Yeah, I look forward to. Well, maybe maybe you can accompany to the, me to the game next. Hopefully next season in the Premier League. I will. I'll tell you what, Ma- Neil. Watch that game together. I, I will. I will shake your hand if Palace get to the Premier League next season. And I stand will, at the Palace end. I will, um, well, that's all right. With I, some celery in your mouth. I'll do that. <laughs> if I go to Palace, at least I'll get I'll get them all singing. Yeah. You know, I'll get them all singing because I've only got one horrible song, as I recall. But I will do that. That's a promise. All right. To right. That's a, a very good way to almost end the show. Very very quickly because I love Lynn's question. The last question of the night. What was it like reporting on the Champions League final in May? Very very quick answer. Dan was there. Awesome. That's a lovely one-word answer. I love you for it. Neil was there. there. You weren't there. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't Did there. you report just, on it? No, no, no. Okay, so you're excluded, but all for, for the right reasons, Neil. Martin was there. I was. And what was it like reporting Absolutely it? Absolutely bloody fantastic. Have you ever seen a game so mental as that? It was crazy. Look, the fact that I had to write 13 pieces the next day was a bit of a problem. <laughs> but, it was, and as I'm a Spurs fan, I was delighted oh, with yeah, the Oh, yeah, of course I was. <laughs> but no, it was sensational. And as, there was no better ending to that game yeah. than for Didier yeah. Drogba with his last kick yeah. in a Chelsea yeah. shirt Absolutely. to win the Champions oh, League. Because right. those players, including the fellow who didn't play the captain, mm. deserved yeah. to win that Absolutely trophy. Absolutely right. Before all the years when they've been cheated, robbed, everything. They deserved it. And I believe that still. Well, one final point on that, Martin. Did you enjoy us all singing, Are You Watching Tottenham? <laughs> Not as much. Okay. <laughs> Now, Rob, Rob, you weren't there, were you? But uh, no. you didn't report on it, really. But what, were you, no. what did you think? Oh, I, well, I, I, was deli- I was a bit disappointed because I had Drogba to score the first goal um, as, a, as a bet. But no, tremendous. And in fact, you wouldn't believe it. I, um, the semi-final, um, I watched... Uh, my, well, Neil knows what I'm talking about in Beckenham, my local bar at Patrick's, which seems to show every single football game. I don't know where, where they get the feeds from. But I went in there, it was packed out. And uh, when Torres scored the, 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 the second goal, I think it was, and Gary Neville had some sort of strange orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, they on Tell Tell was a very good impersonation. It's not on I have to admit that I was jumping up and down with a few of my mates who are Chelsea fans because it was one of those yeah. things where I go back to the days when we used to watch European football and whatever, West Ham didn't play in it very often. And um, he used to back. Well, it was it was English team first, yeah, and, then, and then if it wasn't an English team, it was, well, it was London team first at playing in Europe. And if it wasn't a London team, it would be an English yeah, team. Yeah. And I, I actually remember the replay <coughs> when Aussie scored what Real Madrid yeah, in seventy one, watching that at home on television, and feeling delighted. You know, I remember when Tottenham um, won the UEFA Cup when Tony Park saved from I had a good Johnson's dad by the way from a, from the penalty kick and, and feeling feeling elated. I, I I remember when Man United won in '99 at the New Camp, and I'd I'd had a sneaky cigar that I'd tucked into my sock, and when it was two one a Barcelona cigar, I turned round and puffed it into the German reporters behind me and said, "That's uh, you in '96 and every other game you whatever." So, and when Chelsea won, um, yes, tremendous, fantastic, and as my, I wish I was there, I wasn't, but it, watching at home, and for Drogba, who for me, and I'll end this. You know, whatever people, the crit- he had a lot of criticism, but what a warrior for me. Yeah. A great centre forward. Um, what, what a story. What a and story. as my, and mine was there to write it, 
and you can't people think bad news sells I tell you what good news sells yeah. better and you cannot beat Christian Anderson couldn't have wrote a better fairy tale than that than the big man scoring yeah. from the penalty to, to win it and yeah delighted you, you delighted because football and, and it you know, beat the Germans as well. All right, lovely. That's a great note to end it on. We will be back to say cheerio after this break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Okay, that is all we've got time for. I hope you've enjoyed the evening as much as we all have here. Uh, And also, I hope you'll join me in thanking our panel for being great sports and uh, turning up to debate a lot of these issues. Nothing has been off topic or or been hidden away tonight. I I, I absolutely applaud their their honesty. They've been great. And they have been. Martin Lipton from The Mirror. (laughs) Neil Ashton from The Daily Mail. Come Who on. Was that? There was only one. There was only one. <laughs> and there's been, we've got Rob Shepherd, who's been on the right for loads of people. He's a lovely bloke. And we've also got our very own Dan Levine from the Philippine hey! Adore. And uh, I'll give a round of applause to you, Lot, because you've sat here all bloody night. You've been brilliant. Give yourselves a clap as well. Well done, you, Lot. Right, uh, now, just a quick shout-out for people, because I know they love all of this, but you can follow these guys on Twitter. Martin is at Martin Lipton. Neil is at Neil Ashton underscore. Uh, Rob is at Rob Shepherd 5 And Dan is at Blues Chronicle. No abuse, or they'll block you. Isn't that right, Neil? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> no I've blocked now, a few, you know. You have. He's, he's blocked me before, don't worry. He does it to everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, my favourite trick is to unfollow people accidentally. Terence the Cat. Six, I think there's a six-month How many? Yeah. place for the Terence what? the Cat. Oh, no, you're, you're talking to her again now. Yeah, so there, I know that. Again, I know it's, it's official. Now, you can also follow me at Stamford Chidge. And, of course, you can follow the show at Chelsea Fancast. And uh, while we're on the subject of plugs, don't forget to register to the Chelsea Fancast website, chelseafancast.com, and get involved in the chat room and the forums so you can leave posts for your on CFFC shall we sing a song for you and nominate your fannies now the website also tells you a little bit about us and the people on the podcast what pubs we drink in before and after the games and of course don't forget to uh, go to the merchandising page and get yourself a Chelsea Fancast t-shirt now we'll be back next week to report back on the games against New Zealand and Sunderland next week's guests will be CFC UK writers Gate 17 legend Marco Worrell and Walter Rotten and they will be doing a book reading amongst other things <laughs> a bit like Jack and Ori but for Chelsea fans now uh, of course you can listen to this live at uh, 19.30 on Ch- I heard that I heard that now 19.30 GMT on Monday evenings at mixler.com that's M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast or download the podcast the next day from footballfancast.com or iTunes Hey, you can always do both. Why not? Now, thanks to our sponsor, Exposed Designs, top of the league for exhibition stand design and build, offering a complete worldwide service and offering great savings on roller banners, graphics, PVC banners and personalised gifts. Email team at exposeddesigns.co.uk or visit exposeddesigns.co.uk for more details. And, of course, follow them on Twitter at Exposed Designs. Thanks to Putney Station for being excellent hosts, as always, tonight. Many, many, many thanks to my guests once again, and for, to Pablo particularly, for man in the laptop in uh, brilliant style. Thank you, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue and keep it carefree and keep it chills. Pablo, you and me for this one, isn't it? <coughs> Up the chills! You've been listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Log on at footballfancast.com and get involved.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.